good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Attlesford planning meeting. Um, the committee for today has no substitutes here. I see John isn't here yet, so uh, if he arrives then we'll make way for him. Um, there's no fire alarms planned for today, so uh, uh, if you do hear a fire alarm then please meet on the grass out of the front of the building. Uh, can everybody please ensure they have their mobile phones turned off? I'd like everybody to do that now. We have been known to refuse an application if you leave your phone on. Or approve it. Or approve it, yeah. Okay. Um, I'd remind everybody that this is being recorded live, especially Mr. Brown. Uh, and uh, can I have any declarations of interest, please? Yes, Councillor Freeman. Yeah, uh, Sutton Warden Town Council, and also uh, item five, which is Priory Lodge in uh, Station Road, Little Dumbo. Turns out I know the people on the other side of the Flitchway. I didn't realise this until we did the site visit this morning. Okay, thank you for that. Councillor Fairhurst? Sutton Warden Town Council. Okay, and I also, um, Flitch Green, uh, I also know the occupants because they're in my ward. Um, Councillor Hicks. Just hold it down, Eric. It will come. Uh, fingers off, fingers on again. Try again. Right. Can everybody try their microphones? Yeah, it is. Yours have just come up. I just haven't oh, warmed it's up working yet. Now. It's the issue. Just bear with us, ladies and gentlemen, a second. Otherwise, it will be a very quiet meeting. Mine's, on Mine's working. Yep. Yeah. Eric? Uh, Chairman, what I was uh, trying to say was that um, I, um, with regard to the, um, item 3, note 4 on the agenda, um, I have no family of the Atkinson for mechanisms in a social context, but no institution. Okay, that's fine. His microphone's on. Can you just check your microphone again, Eric, please? Mm -hmm. Just to see if it's working. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Okay. Thank you. Okay, that's fine. Uh, previous minutes. Can I sign those off as a true record? Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. Ben, if we can do that. And we can move on to the agenda for today. And I will hand over to uh, Mr Theobald for Oakland's Onga Road, Great Dunmo. UTT 172238, full application. Thank you, Mr Theobald. Thank you. This outline application was deferred from the last committee meeting for consideration of uh, noise and whether or not there should be a uh, potential reduction in DBA noise levels for this scheme. Uh, where members, some members were concerned about the adjacentness of the, the site to the Air 120 and or uh, the, the change in some of the dwelling units on the site, um, swapping affordable with market uh, or both. Uh, now, uh, apologise for this uh, smallness of the uh, plan, wasn't expecting this, but um, What's happened since the, the last meeting, um, 
I've had discussions with the environmental health um, officer, uh, Marcus uh, Watts, who has um, been giving me advice on this. And at the same time, uh, we have had um, discussion with the developer regarding the potential for reduction in noise levels for the southwest corner of the site, um, bottom left, uh, adjacent A120. Now, that's resulted in a communication uh, from the developer saying that the existing noise attenuation measures uh, which have been recommended in the noise acoustic report are uh, acceptable for this site uh, whereby there would be um, a, a two metre high uh, acoustic barrier uh, and a 2.6 metre acoustic barrier accordingly for the top and bottom of the site. Um, and also uh, a drawing has been submitted and this is the revised drawing which as I do apologise for the smallness, but uh, the three affordable housing units which were shown uh, for plots 10, 11 and 12 in the cluster grouping, um, they have now been transposed with two market dwellings which are plots 18 and 19. So in effect, the, the middle um, dwelling in brown on the bottom of the site uh, before the end there is now um, uh, three uh, affordable units and uh, the two market units for plots 18 and 19 have been put onto the, uh, the western left-hand side middle in the grey there on that long arm. Clive, can you just indicate which one's on the screen? Yes, um, right. So these are, the three, these are now uh, market uh, dwellings. They were the affordable dwellings uh, plots uh, 10, 11 and 12 and uh, they've been put down here now and the two market dwellings which were plots 18 and 19 are now effectively there as uh, revised plot numbers and uh, also, also um, parking down here has been uh, put in for the affordable as a, a minor parking change. Otherwise, the site layout stays the same as you saw for the committee last time around. Um, there is on the sub-reps a revised housing schedule which um, effectively tweaks the, the previous uh, housing schedule to reflect the change, the transposition in uh, plots on the affordable to market and vice versa. Um, there's also attached to the sub-rep um, two extracts from the noise acoustic report which are quite helpful um, and uh, I will come to that a bit later. So that's the, the two changes from um, last time around. The report's been updated to reflect the revised drawings. So essentially what you see here in terms of the street scene is as more or less as you saw the last time around. And this is the, the tenure plan which shows that there would be 10 affordable units um, as a 40% housing provision on the site as a mix between shared ownership three and rented seven with um, uh, two affordable units actually being at the top of the site. Now this was discussed prior to the application 
to try and blend in some of the affordable with the market, which would be tenure blind, architectural blind at the top of the site. Members at the last committee meeting and also at the site um, visit uh, did express concern about uh, some of the trees to be removed. Um, I explained that those trees to be removed were either of uh, low quality or um, uh, in an unsatisfactory position uh, to be retained. Um, there was one um, high quality uh, oak tree which um, for members' reference is this one here, which has, since, which has been ring-fenced, and um, as a result, it, uh, it will die. So as uh, a reflection... Not ring-fenced. Ring-barked. 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 Um, as a result of that, um, the condition, conditions on the recommendation have been tweaked, um, whereby condition... Two, and I'll just read it to you, now says, prior to the commencement of development uh, with an added including ground clearance and compound setup. And this is to um, safeguard any further trees on the site of either medium or high quality value um, in case any uh, are affected by site works. And also on condition four, it says... Uh, the same with the tree protection measures. So, in essence, Chairman, uh, they are the, um, the changes from the last uh, committee meeting with the revised uh, drawings. I just, this is now where, um, if I can just uh, go on to the noise, um, these are the two extracts from the noise acoustic report. Uh, you can see on the bottom... Uh, left uh, here and extending around to here is where the most noise is experienced over 55 decibels where the maximum DBA rating by the council um, is 55 DBA. Uh, what needs to be said is that the revised scheme that is in front of you which hasn't changed in terms of layout is whereby the dwellings themselves effectively are the, uh, the sound attenuation with the, with the gardens behind, which are protected. So the, the dwellings along the, the, the left-hand side and extending around the bottom, they will be subject to enhanced um, uh, ventilation and sound insulation measures in accordance with standards. And the gardens, all of the gardens now, um, along here and along here would not be exceeding 55 dBA ratings uh, with, uh, in mitigation, a two-metre high fence, uh, which would be at the top here, and a 2.6-metre uh, down the bottom there, uh, where there is most ex exposure to, to, to traffic noise. So, uh, just to recap, there would be no change um, in the noise acoustic um, uh, measures whereby the, the applicant has demonstrated uh, that uh, the, the scheme would accord with the UDC uh, DBA measures. And that, Chairman, is the uh, report. And it recommends approval subject to those conditions. Thank you.
Thank you, Mr. Theobald. Um, we have one speaker, Mr. Tedder, who's the agent. Mr. Tedder, you have three minutes. Good afternoon. My name is Nigel Tedder of Go Planning, and I represent the applicant, Mr. Oliver Hookway. The application is for the demolition of Oaklands and the development of 25 number dwellings. The site is within the urban development boundary for Great Dunmo and provides for 10 number affordable dwellings along with two number bungalows which are to be wheelchair accessible. The affordable dwellings are distributed with two to the site's frontage, a further three dwellings to the western boundary and five dwellings to the southern boundary. This distribution has been revised following last month's deferral at committee. The mix of dwellings provides in excess of 70% as three-bedroom dwellings or smaller. The design for the site has been influenced by the adjacent A120 with particular regard to noise impacts. As such, the buildings have been clustered to provide acoustic buffers and to protect the external amenity areas from noise from the A120 trunk road. No objection has been raised by the EHO, subject to appropriate planning conditions. Highways similarly have raised no objection, or indeed any other statutory consultee, subject again to appropriate planning conditions. The applicant has agreed in principle to enter into a Section 106 agreement as outlined within your officer's report. The application for 25 dwellings represents a density of some 23.5 dwellings per hectare, which is considered relatively low when compared to the adjacent new development at Onga Road South. The dwellings have policy compliant levels of rear garden and parking. The site is an opportunity to provide sustainable development, including a provision of 40% affordable housing, wheelchair units and market housing. I would ask members to support our application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Tedder. Um, we have no other speakers on this, so basically over to you, Committee. Councillor Fairhurst. So one of us has got a beard and the other one hasn't, Chairman. <laughs> it's the way we normally tell the difference. Um, can we go on to the slide, please, uh, the noise impact assessment? There's a coloured slide. You do have it. You showed it to us before. That's it. Thanks. Okay. At the previous meeting, last meeting we had, when this was deferred, we agreed that we were looking for a five decibel reduction over the site. We did not agree to having the houses regarded as part of the sound mitigation. Uh, and David Spunt was in the audience at the time, who is a principal officer at Essex Highways, and we brought him forward. Uh, impromptu to advise on this matter and he said it was relatively easy to achieve a five decibel reduction. And these are dwellings that obviously people live in, the clue is in the name, and saying well your back garden's okay, it's nice and quiet there but the front garden's un uninhabitable, it simply won't do. Now I don't know, um, are you able to move that slide up slightly because we need the key on the bottom, the colour key on the bottom. If not, I can read it out to you. Oh, I'll read it out to you, if that's too hard. Um, the, 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 the key on the bottom 
gives those brown areas, which are the bottom right, the bottom left and the bottom of the side, that's um, greater than or equal to 60.60 decibels. That's not what we asked for. We asked for mitigation measures that take it down by 5 decibels off that. And they're not in this request, Chairman. It's not what we agreed last week. And in terms of the affordable housing, perfectly legitimate to swap around one or two houses if that's what the developer how the developer wishes to address the situation, that's up to them, obviously. Uh, but in terms of this sound mitigation, since it is a fairly minor thing, and the, the only attenuation that we've seen here is, I think, the addition of a two-metre-high fence in the bottom right, and it's actually 2.6 metres high for some reason, on the top left. Uh, and, of course, that's not much of a mitigation in the sense that fences wear, fall down, need replacement, etc. I was hoping for mitigation in the form of earthworks, which is the only way to deal with something like this, because they're there for good, as opposed to a fence that requires replacing in about 10 or 20 years' time. So I'm disappointed with this. I don't think the developer has taken on board the um, points that we raised. Um, it's apparent to me that they've done the minimum, uh, and get away with, and I suggest, Chairman, that perhaps we should not uh, accept this. We said five decibels, and they, haven't, they have not delivered five decibels over the site which is inhabited. Uh, thank you, Councillor. Um, Marcus, would you like to come and, as our environmental officer and the expert on sound, perhaps you would like to throw some lights on this? Um. The World Health Organization, uh, British Standards, Professional Planning Practice Guidance, all are quite consistent insofar as the, the out, traditional outdoor amenity areas, the noise limits for outdoors amenity areas, should be within the range of 50 to 55 dB. The 55 dB is the upper guideline range. Um, that is normally acceptable. I've never been in a situation where a planning application uh, has been refused where a traditional amenity areas or elements of that amenity area can comply with that standard. Um, it is a desirable standard as well. It's not set in stone. So there are, uh, if there are reasons to, for the noise levels to be higher, that's also taken into consideration. But fundamentally, Balconies and, and an area of, of amenity land, a garden, maybe a park, in close proximity is normally acceptable up to 55 dBA LAEQ taken over 16 hours, which is what this is. Um, so if you were going to apply that standard, if you were going to say that 55 dBA is not acceptable, you will be ruling out vast waves of development, uh, urban development, um, anywhere where there's transport sources, anywhere urban, uh, all, a lot of it's affected over that level. So what we tend to do in environment health is we, we tend to obviously look at a, a good effective acoustic design. Acoustic design will be about achieving internal amenity targets as a priority, which will be internally at 30 in bedrooms and 35 dBA LAQ in living areas. And then we look at the outside amenity areas. 
And I think the, the reason for that is because, the, 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 just, just to go back a little bit, the, 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 um, the reason for the 50 to 55 DBA is about, uh, is based on annoyance studies, really. Anything over 55 is considered to be seriously annoying. Anything under is not. So there's different scales in how you look at it. Chairman, if I may return. I thought you might. Thank you. Can you turn your microphone off? Yes, sir. Okay. So anything over 55 dBA is annoying. Right? Now, on that map, the bottom of the map, the plan, and the lower left-hand side of the plan is at greater than or equal to 6,0 dBA. Therefore, as we've heard from our resident expert, that is annoying. And we asked the developer to go away and fix this, and they have not done it, Chairman. What can't talk can't lie. What you see in front of you is a computer-generated map giving you the noise profiles, the contours. This computer-generated map, when it's built out, could be different, but it's the best we've got to work with at the moment. And the area behind the houses certainly is quieter, but they have gardens in the front. There's a road round there. So what we're saying is you're going to experience greater than or equal to 60 dBA, 16 hours out of every 24 uh, on this site. And that is simply not acceptable. It's like living under the flight path to an airport. We should not be consenting properties which have this low level of sound attenuation in the outdoor spaces used by the families and their the families that live there, children, whatever. It's simply not acceptable, Chairman. Okay. Anybody else? Councillor Fairhurst and then Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, well, I slightly differ. I applaud the attempt at least at redistribution of the affordables. I think it's important. I made a big issue of it last time. Um, but I think that, as Councillor Freeman said, it's a, it's a much more simple decision for us. We were well... Uh, hang on. Clive, can you turn business? your microphone off? Try that. Okay. Um, last time we were well advised. Last, last time we were well advised, we were well advised by the by our, our officers that in fact Hang 55 a second, Paul. was. A I'm, I'm going to just try and can we get um, can we get hold of somebody? We've got a problem here. Yeah. We've got that try my. <laughs> just try that one, Paul. Yeah, how's that? No, it's still there. Do you want to try this? It's slightly, it's fine. Um, we were well advised by officers last time that in fact 55 was the ceiling. Um, I'm very pleased to hear from this specialist that in fact 60 or anything over 55 is seriously annoying. Um, and my concern is that we were fairly clear last time. We've got to be careful, a little bit more robust about when we bring things back to the council. Because we don't like competing with or rejecting um, um, uh, proposals and applications. Um, and there's an effort involved in this process. Of course, you received this late, but I understand the implication of that as well. But in this case, it's, it's pretty obvious. Do what, what our Councillor Sprunt suggested last time, fix the sound attenuation issues, and, and all of a sudden you've, you've got something we can look at with more positive attitude. So I'm afraid I propose to reject once again. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. It's, it's a bit of a repeat, but just for complete clarification, because we have problems with colouring on here and not seeing the scale there. The brown in the, in the uh, majority of the southwest sector is 60 decibels. Is that correct? That is correct. 
Okay, in which case I uh, strongly support my colleagues. Mr. Brown, I'm going to ask you to clarify exactly what our policy is and at what limit and at what sort of, whether the area in front of the house qualifies as a, an area to be considered, if that makes sense. In other words, I'm just asking for clarification of where the rules start to apply. First of all, can I just clarify that there was advice from David Sprunt on the hoof, I should add, because he was here for another case, and he is a high engineer, and we have in front of us an environmental health officer you know, whose expertise on acoustics. I think that trumps it slightly, to be frank. And secondly, and, and this is probably, I'm only going to probably repeat what Marcus has just said. So the, it's not based upon policy, it's based upon wealth, World Health Organization guidance, isn't it? And which basically says no, the, the 55 is the magic number. But don't forget, the, the rear gardens of these properties are green, which is within that. So it is basically, I don't know whether Marcus can comment on the issue about the front gardens exceed that issue, but the back gardens don't. And is it, is it a case of all external areas have to not exceed that, that area? I think it's probably better for Marcus to clarify that issue. Areas. Somebody means the land that is somewhat protected by that adverse level of noise. That's what we look for. Um, there's no fast rules about how much land. It just talks about what is desirable, what is uh, what, what is possible to achieve through good acoustic design. Um, so that's that's how we, we we tend to apply it. So. This site, uh, and I, I do take your point that everything south in the, in the red is, is high, um, but it's designed in a way to achieve compliance with the professional guidance practice on uh, planning and noise, which talks about securing amenity land that's within the guideline values. So it, it does tick that box. Thank you, Marcus. Okay, uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Sorry, thanks for letting me come back, Mr Chairman. Basically, what we're confronted with here is a choice. If we are going to sell the houses on the bottom left-hand side and expressly say to them, if you're not buying the front of your house because you can keep your windows closed and if it gets warm, you can sit outside um, because that side doesn't comply with the 55 maximum. We're talking about the ceiling. Um, but if you want to breathe freshly or have slightly less sound, you can live in your backyard. Um, it is, we, we, we clutch at straws here. We were advised by a highway specialist that it was possible to limit the sound by putting up walls and things. And I'm not a specialist in any of those things. We have that opportunity to do so. Instead, what we're going to say is, please keep your doors closed and your windows closed. We're going to give you fans because we can't solve the sound problems. I think it's a little bit disingenuous and not what this committee should be about. So I would still continue to reject this. Thank you. Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, as I was outside the room for 10 seconds, I think, when you started this, um, I 
I am still allowed to vote on it. I have obviously listened to the whole debate. Thank you very much. That was it, was it? <laughs> that was very helpful. <coughs> Anybody else? Councillor Hicks. Um, Chairman, um, have, we, um, have you taken any uh, proposals one way or the other at this stage? You haven't. In that case, I, I would like to say that uh, I believe that the developers here have made an effort to uh, achieve what the plan, um, planning committee was asking for at the previous meeting. And my view is that uh, they've done sufficient to um, make this proposal acceptable, and I would like to propose that it is approved. <coughs> I actually had a... Yeah, I know. I, I had a proposal for rejection first from Councillor Fairhurst, so I, I take your point. I know where you're going. I will come back to you, okay? Um, I'll have my say now. I, the problem with this is that we've got a 55 dB limit, so we've got to be very careful which we actually are going to try and implement something which, through our own policy, we can't enforce. And I, I understand what... Councillor Freeman is saying about having aspirations to solve problems, but if our basic DM policies aren't giving us the platform to actually apply that, then we become a little bit more hands-tied, if you like, to a certain extent. Um, so we don't say to people, you've got to achieve 50. We're, we're basically saying that we have 55. I, I take your point that it's more than 55 at the front, but it's whether that space is accountable within this formula, if you like, and, and I, I, I completely take your point. Okay. Does anybody else want to speak? I have a proposer for a refusal. Does that find a seconder? It does. Councillor Lodge. Okay. We're going to go for a vote on refusal of this application on the noise aspect. All those in favour of refusal, please show. I have three. Okay. That's rejected. I know, I'm going to take Councillor Hicks's... No, hang on, because they've got to vote against it. Yeah. Against the, you've got three people there. All right, okay. All right, I, I, yeah, I would assume that everybody isn't abstaining. All right, all those, all those against the vote for refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five. That's fair enough. You're going to sit this one out, abstain. Okay, that uh, motion for refusal is refused. As such, I'll now take Councillor Hicks's proposal for approval. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Chambers. All those in favour of an acceptance, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three. Councillor Davies abstaining. That item is approved. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. We're now moving on to north of Stebbing. My apologies for being late, Chairman. That's okay. Uh, unavoidable. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Davey. Uh, UTT 17-3538. This is a DFO for land at Stebbing. And Mrs Jones is going to take us through after she sorts out a big pile of papers. Okay, Maddie, when you're ready. 
this application relates to the site that the committee members visited this morning in Stebbin. The application site is located to the north of Stebbin primary, primary School and to the rear of Garden Fields and Parkside Stebbin. It comprises of 1.78 hectares of land. The site is made up of two parcels of land. The two are separated by a hedgerow and a public footpath. The northern parcel of the land is tri triangular in shape, reaching its narrowest point at the northern end. To the north of the site, beyond residential dwellings and to the east of the site are arable fields. To the west are residential dwellings. To the south of the site are the primary school's playing fields. There have been a number of representations objecting to the application and these have been summarised in my report. This, show show, this slide shows an aerial view and This is the access into the site there. Um, here is a special verge and site of Lesser Calamint. And this is the entrance to the school. This slide shows the original um, a layout which was submitted and has subsequently been revised in relation to representations received. The three main revisions are to... This boundary here, this dwelling here, and this dwelling here. The proposal relates to the reserve matters relating to layout, scale, landscaping, appearance for 30 dwellings approved under UGT 14 1069 OP. The proposed dwellings would be a mix of dwellings from one bedroom to five bedroom, including bungalows and flats. It is proposed that there would be 40% affordable housing as secured by the section 106 attached to the outline application. The affordable housing would be split into 50% affordable rent and 50% affordable shared ownership, which is different to the mix secured previously and therefore needs to be secured by a deed of variation to the Section 106. Additionally, there was an area of land that was subject to the Section 106 attached to the outline application, which has been removed due, due to updated ecology surveys. There is an area of open space here and here in the form of a lap. And there is additional landscaping proposed to all, virtually all of the boundaries um, in the form of hedging and further trees to be planted. The proposal has been revised to include an access track to the rear of the properties 1 to 4 Hillcroft, which is And that's to allow rear vehicular access to number 1 Hillcroft, which is this property right in the corner for their disabled daughter. 
The outline application was for all matters reserved with the exception of access. Several representations have been received in relation to the access, however this does not form part of this application. The access was discharged under UTT 170144-DOC. The proposed layout for this application is broadly consistent with the illustrative master plan submitted as part of the outline submission for this site. The housing density for the scheme is 17 dwellings per hectare. All of the units have private amenity spaces in line with the Essex Design Guide. Each property meets the required parking standards with some larger properties exceeding the requirement. There would be eight unallocated parking spaces within the development to provide visitor parking. A late representation has been received relating to issues of permitted development for plots 27 and 28, which are these here, stating that it would be easy to insert dormers and roof lights in the roof to make another story. Um, I also um, commented on parking in the visitors' bays um, other than vehicles, other than cars. And also that the landscape to the western boundary along here could undermine the foundations of the existing properties adjacent to the site. In relation to the landscaping, the council's landscape officer has been consulted and he has re recommended that the hawthorn in the um, hedge mix is replaced with hazel to avoid any potential potential damage to the foundations. The applicant has agreed to this revision. Any dormers to the front of the properties would require planning permission. The application is re recommended for approval with conditions subject to compliance with a deed of variation of the section 106 that supports UTT 14 in relation to the mix and tenure of the affordable housing units and a revised strategy to the landscape and ecology management plan. <clears throat> Thank you, Mrs. Jones. Uh, we have three speakers on this, and I'll take Christina Kant first. Hi, Christina, you've got three minutes. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Stepping sits mainly on the side of a valley. From the B1256, one sees a panorama of the village with the church at one end and the co-op cottages which are in front of this development at the other. This view will be destroyed unless slab levels are changed. This development will be on the highest land in the village and the houses will be visually prominent from all the village footpaths and will dwarf the village church in long views. Many people have commented on this development. Some are against it as they would be against any additional housing in the village, but by far the most representations have been on the grounds of highway safety. I've lived in my home, which was four doors away from the access, for 48 years. During that time, children, including my own, have played on this wide area of common land in front of this development. They've learned to ride bikes, play hopscotch, and skipped all in perfect safety with only the public footpath nearby. 
The children from garden fields walk to school each day, as they have done since the estate was built 50 years ago. The green skip stops here every month. The cul-de-sac is crowded with cars picking up and dropping off children from school and nursery three times a day during term times. The Secretary of State gave permission for the roadway to be constructed on the common land, but he was so concerned that he stipulated that no work should begin until full planning permission had been granted. I urge you to ask ECC to reconsider the way this road is designed. Those of us who live here do not want the road we live in to be characterized by accidents to children. The cul-de-sac itself was closed off approximately 50 years ago because it was an accident black spot at the time got just shortly after garden fields was built and one of the blind bends still remains. We are encouraging our children to go out to play. This is one of the safe areas children from garden fields can play. If this road goes ahead, children will not be safe here. Finally, I think it's a pity that all the affordable housing is not spread throughout the development, but is more or less on a private drive of large houses that even look to have different roads surfacing. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Um, Sandy Merrifield. Sandy, you have three minutes. Thank you. Um, uh, I'm representing the Parish Council. I would like to back up what Christina has said. We are incredibly concerned about the safety um, that this development will bring to the children and people parking there. I, I was there this morning, and as we know, it's Easter holidays, and I know the access has been accepted in the, uh, the original outline planning permission, um, but it appears strange to say that both visits have always been when there's been holidays. And it was pointed out to me that, of course, um, members of the planning committee have um, imaginations and they can imagine what it's like. But to actually see it in a morning when you have cars all the way around the cul-de-sac, down the high street, along, up going towards the downs, um, is quite worrying. I know I have seen in there, there are times when the construction traffic can come. I would also suggest that they put another one in during the day because we have a Montessori nursery school there and there is a drop off and pick up time at between 12 and two o'clock because there is half days for a lot of the children that go to the Montessori. So there are cars there. Staff at the school park because there's not enough parking within the school. So staff park in the cul-de-sac and on the road, on the going towards the downs outside as well. So you can imagine this is where our concern comes from. Um, I will leave it with you, but we, would, we are, as a parish council, greatly concerned about this entrance to the development. Um, one of the other things, the variation on the 106 that was um, given in the outline planning permission um, they're requiring now. Um, on, piece, on the piece of the common land outside number four Hillcroft, the, the grass that's going to be taken up by part of the road, um, there is less accalament. Um, so we're concerned to hear that 
the mitigation, the land that was going to be given for mitigation and has been promised or was promised that the, there would be a place for lesser calamint to be grown um, appears to have now gone because the um, grass snake is no longer found there, as I heard this morning. Um, I think... Uh, now, was there another one? Oh, yes. Oh, number, um, number two pound gate, uh, the garden they went to this morning. Um, it says, I, I saw that number 30, the house that will be behind their garden, it says that there will be no windows or openings in houses one, and there was a couple of others, and there was number 30. Um, but it appears that I've been, I haven't seen this myself, but I've been told that the plans will still have windows in for number 30. So there is a concern there. So we'd like that confirmed um, that what, we've, what has been seen is not there. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Sandy. Um, I'll clarify a few of those points. We'll get Maddie to in a second. Uh, can we take John Crisp, the agent? Mr. Crisp, you have up to six minutes. Okay. You're not going to take that long, are you? Good afternoon. I'm here in support of this reserve matters application for 30 units following the outline consent given in 2015. As you are aware, the original outline consent approved access with all matters reserved. The outline application also included a dimension master plan with accommodation schedule to fully demonstrate that the scheme for 30 units was achievable. To make you aware, since the consent Further works have been undertaken with regard to the site entrance with a Section 38 agreement being approved by Essex County Council Highways. This included the consent by the Secretary of State for works on common land. This approved access has been fully incorporated into the proposed site layout that you see before you. The proposed layout within this application is an evolution of the master plan that formed material consideration at the outline stage. The outline of accommodation, sorry, the level of accommodation remains the same with 30 units at a density of 17 dwellings per hectare. The number of bedrooms throughout the development also remains the same. 40% affordable housing is provided. The draft contract for the 12 units is in place with the housing association in readiness, with a housing association in readiness. We have been working with Madeleine Jones and the planning consultees throughout the duration of the application to ensure that the proposal is a sensitive development that complements the village. Throughout the planning process, the site layout has been revised to take on, the board, take on board the comments made. This includes increasing, increasing distance to boundaries, redirection of windows to avoid overlooking, and the inclusion of a vehicular access to the rear of one hillside cottage. Through this process, Essex Council Council, Ecology, Highways and the SUDS team, Uttlesford Housing Enabling Officer and Stebbing Parish Council all have no objections to the detailed design put forward for consideration today. Just to note, the Lesser Calamint is found on the verge to the, yes, to the west of the entrance um, and has not been recorded on site 
as described in the two ecology reports, one done at outline and one done at reserve matters. Uh, your approval today will be welcomed by the applicant who is very keen to get started on site uh, and make their houses available at the earliest opportunity. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Mr Crisp. Um, we have no further speakers. I'm going to come back to Madeline just on a couple of points of clarification. Um, I believe for Mrs Merrifield's information, the windows on number 30, there are basically no windows facing across onto number two pound. And I think we were talking about, uh, that, I mean, only that they were skylights, if you like, on the lower extension. Is that correct? That's correct. There are some, um, there are roof lights in this single storey element here. And um, the, there's a condition uh, removing permitted development rights so that they can't actually put any windows in those elevations facing um, this way, number two. Okay, thank you. Um, we know where we are with the lesser calamint, I think. Uh, I can throw this open to the committee, gentlemen. Comments? Councillor Fairhurst and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, just a couple of things. The first is, may I ask a question of the now apparently defunct 106 land? I understand the lesser calamint was part of the process, but did, 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 did the council decide that we no longer need a 106 requirement or what was it? Can you just give the details of that, please? Uh, the existing 106, which was attached to the outline, still um, exists and that had um, that included uh, education contributions it included um, a piece of land that extended out here which was for um, ecology reasons and also included the planting of lesser calamine um, and it also secured 40% of affordable housing but the mix was for 70-30 rather than 50-50 here. So um, they've applied for a deed of variation that takes out the um, requirement for this piece of land here in respect of ecology. Um, and that's because it was mainly in relation to a snake that was found on site. Um, and they have increased by doing... Um, hedging here, hedging here, hedging here. Basically, they've in, and uh, improving the hedging here, an additional hedging here, and that felt uh, the the recently submitted um, ecology found that that would there'd be a neutral impact on ecology under this scheme, and that's why um, it, it just put the the deed of variation is only in respect of affordable housing and the ecology. Can I also ask you please if you could point out on that map for me where the affordable houses actually are going to be? It is these houses here, here and here. I want to point out Mr Chairman that once again it's clustered and we've discussed this before. It's just an issue and I'm hoping that Councillor Lachlan is going to support me on this. Um, 
Can I ask you just one final thing? I mean, I'm a bit of a pain here, but there's a couple of things are raised which we should think from. Can you, can you just plot for me, please, with your arrow, with your marker, um, where the children will walk from that, the house up at the north to the school, so that I can see it on the map? Because, because the, the assertion has been made, and it's an important one we should consider, is that there's a question of hazard and danger. Can you just show me where it goes, a little arrow, just a little cursor, and show me where it walks so we can see? So there's a, a pedestrian walkway here, and this is a public footpath that will, will, will stay, and then they would cross here and walk along here, and the school is further south. So the only increased hazard is, in fact, crossing over the entrance to the site, which will have cars coming in and out and so on. That's the only increased hazard we've gotten so far. That's right. Thank you. <coughs> Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you. <coughs> uh, can we see the elevation for item 30, please? House number 30. You do have one. Uh, whether you have a slide, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I have. Slide 26. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So the top right is the side which would be apparent to, uh, what is it, number 2. Uh, what's the name of the road? Pound gate, number two pound gate, yes. Uh, and it is a blank wall. Um, can we go back to the map, please, the plan? Now, very clearly, number 30 is the prime property on the site. It's uh, essentially surrounded by fields. It's got the largest garden. And there is a massive temptation, I submit, for whoever buys that to extend it, although it's already large. So I'm just putting this forward as a possibility. Uh, would be rather than simply say you can't put any windows in there on the side of number two pound gate, uh, why not simply remove its permitted development rights, commonplace in towns uh, for the benefit of the amenities of the surrounding houses? That's one possibility. Uh, and it would mean that the extensions would be more difficult because I, I can see it's an invitation to build a larger unit in that garden in the course of time. Removal of permitted development rights on number 30. Is that an option? That, that, the, the condition can be varied to take away all permitted development rights, yes. We know it can, but the question is, will it? Uh, that's uh, we can decide to do that right, within okay. this gift. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, Councillor Lockman. Thank you. Uh, can I just ask the planning officer, Maddy? Um, we're told that the applicants moved these, uh, the site further down to enable a disabled child to be able to walk to school more safely. Is that true? Um, no, that's not quite correct. Um, what happened is the properties here, their gardens did back onto the boundaries of the site here. And at number one, they have a disabled daughter and the frontage here, as we saw on site, is very steep. Um, and at the moment, they have vehicle access here to their property over, but it's not their land, it's just something that's evolved. And um, the applicant has revised all the drawings, moving these properties further east and to allow this access to remain for this property, for, the, for, the, for vehicle access to the property. Thank you. <coughs> okay. Uh, 
Councillor Higgs. Thank you, Chairman. It <coughs> um, does seem to me that, uh, with regard to this application, that uh, the applicants and the planning department have worked together very well to um, overcome the problems there were. Um, the Parish Council and other speakers have mentioned the uh, problem arising outside this site um, where um, local residents tend to use that area as a dropping off point for the school. This is not peculiar to Stebbing. This takes place around every primary school in the district, I suggest, and won't change whether this development is there with 30 houses or whether it isn't. And so I don't honestly think that that's a material factor. And uh, in view of the uh, efforts which I think have been made to uh, make this development acceptable, um, I, I would propose that we should, in fact, approve this application. Okay. Uh, I have you as a proposer. Councillor Wells. I'm happy to second that, but I would like to perhaps add the caveat on the 106, as suggested by Councillor Freeman, about moving development rights. Okay, I'm happy enough with that. Um, I'll have my two pennyworth. I mean, what's actually going to happen here is that you're going to have more space for parking for people dropping off at the schools because they're going to go onto the estate. Um, so in actual fact, it might actually mitigate the situation a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to be a great solution, but I can actually see a lot more cars actually going up there to possibly park and drop off. So it's, it's actually increased the curb area. Um, not that that's a reason for an approval, but uh, okay. I have a proposer and I have a seconder. We would like to add the condition uh, concerning the permitted development rights limit on number 30 in line with what Councillor Freeman advocated, yes? So under those uh, conditions, all those in favour of approval, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Those against? Two. Okay, that item is approved. Thank you very much, Mrs Jones. <coughs> Moving on, we'll take UTT 17, 3556, outline planning at Priory Lodge Station Road, Little Dunmo, and Mr Theobald will take us through it. Mr Theobald, when you're ready. Thank you, Chair. Members saw this site this morning, uh, so I don't wish to um, repeat too much of the proposal. Uh, just the very basics that this is an outline application with all matters reserved except for access for the demolition of all the commercial buildings which you saw on the site and also uh, commercial storage and the erection of eight detached dwellings modifying the existing access to Priory Lodge, uh, with the existing Priory Lodge uh, building dwelling being retained. 
and this is the, the site area, and you can see that uh, dotted purple line being the alignment of the Flitch Way, where access is gained down to Station Road uh, with that diagonal. This is the proposal scheme. I would emphasize this is for indicative purposes only to show how eight dwellings could be accommodated on the site. Um, it's a prescribed number, so therefore we have to look at, uh, in principle, whether you could achieve um, eight dwellings as a quantum together with the service road and parking and amenity space. Uh, there is a uh, housing schedule in the report which sets out the uh, bedroom provision housing mix uh, for the su suggested scheme which is a range between three, four and five bedroom dwelling units um, with the private amenity uh, all of which would uh, comfortably comply with minimum garden standards and also parking which again would be compliant with parking standards if this particular scheme is selected, which would be a combination of both covered and uh, hard standing parking. Uh, you will see on the top of the, the site this uh, dotted black line running parallel with the southern boundary of the Flitch Way. And this is to indicate a five metre no build zone, which I did point out this morning, uh, relating to new building on the site which could be and is recommended as a condition of this outline scheme should members be mindful to grant plan permission today uh, in order to uh, protect and preserve the amenity, uh, ecology amenity of the Flitch Way, which is a linear park. Um, just to refresh on um, one issue which was um, discussed in detail and this is to do with the access which is of course subject to discussion today. Uh, the access arrangement would be to come off the existing uh, main access into the site and beyond which would be modified and uh, widened to the appropriate uh, uh, width and the issue regarding site visibility where certainly one or two members walked along to the, uh, the north beyond the bridge abutments. Now just to clarify this for you, the, the green shaded area, light green shaded area in both directions from the centre point of the mouth of the access point uh, with that large uh, broken line, green line behind is the visibility that's required to be shown in each direction from the mouth of the access in accordance with the 90 metre uh, length visibility on a 2.4 metre uh, depth in for this particular scheme. Now, this is showing land either within the control and ownership of the applicant or within highway land. Uh, to emphasize on the area to the north, uh, you will see that this is where the bridge abutment is and the dotted line runs in front of this um, up to this point here where I believe uh, one of the councillors did stand and therefore there would be an, 
uh, undisturbed direct line of visibility all the way back down to the access from the northern side. Uh, on the southern side, again, it's showing the visibility which extends beyond the site uh, onto the highway in that direction. Uh, what I can confirm, because I did uh, discuss this with the applicant's architects this morning for clarification, in order to achieve the visibility in that direction, it would be a requirement to remove those pollarded trees which you saw uh, in the uh, forward line for the dwelling. I can confirm that the pollarded line of trees in this direction on the higher ground on the bank uh, are sufficiently away from the visibility so they would not be uh, needing to be removed. And so that is uh, that. Um, in terms of other uh, considerations for this uh, site scheme, the, the site itself um, is deemed to be a brownfield site, um, certainly for um, the majority of the land area uh, within the centre, uh, and that was determined by the Council uh, by the submission and determination of a lawful use application, which was submitted preceding this uh, development application for housing, whereby it was shown that there was an established use for B1, B2 and B8 industrial commercial storage on the centre of the site. So this application obviously includes the red line to the triangle at the bottom. Uh, the recommendation uh, for this uh, scheme is for approval and uh, that is also on the basis this is a sustainable site uh, at uh, Flitch Green where there are bus stops um, just to the south um, and obviously close to the, the services and amenities now being provided uh, at uh, Oakwood Park or, or Flitch Green. So in view of the sustainable location of this, uh, this um, proposed scheme, where there could be certainly um, at a detailed stage uh, consideration of uh, strengthening of the southern boundary which is exposed onto the farmland which you saw today. That could be a condition um, of any DFO and it is therefore recommended, Chairman, that this outline scheme with access to be considered recommended for approval. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr Theobald. I have no note of any speakers, so it's straight over to the committee. I do have a speaker. I have no speaker. Okay, uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. You know what I'm going to say. Um, I think it's a wonderful development. I really want it to happen, I, um, the, particularly the line that, that protects the Flitch Way. Um, apart from the little hammerhead, I'd like to suggest, first of all, that it was discussed today. The hammerhead shouldn't encroach on that five-metre protection stripe, so that'll be something you have to consider. Um, but I have very serious reservation about the safety and the access to the site. I was a chap who walked up that road trying very hard to see if I could drive and safely not kill anyone. This is not a safe entrance. Um, and if we're in a position where we can redefine that entrance to have some kind of a, a long approach where the, on the other side where the trees are being protected, I'd be minded to support it. But without that, we're creating a hazard where we don't need to. So I would be against this process. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, basically the same, uh, and I, I know that area reasonably well because as I've pointed out uh, I, I, I know one of the properties next door which is close to it and it is a very fast road and it's okay it's 40 mile an hour limit and we all know about that uh, so I think there's two problems one is that 
if there was a 30 mile an hour limit outside of that area, it would be acceptable, but I don't think it is the way it is at the moment. The other thing is it involves the loss of somewhere towards half a dozen mature pollarded lime trees in the front of uh, Priory Lodge. And that's a shame because they're part of the street scene and they're, they're quite uh, healthy trees. And in order to get the sight lines, you've got to remove them. And I know you can plant some more trees someplace else, but it's, as I say, it's part of the street scene. And it's commendable, it's on a bus route. But uh, getting across the road, even with the tactile surface, which is a very de minimis thing to do uh, on the um, western side of the egress, uh, it's not going to alter the fact that for children trying to take a school, uh, school bus, it's not a, uh, it, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. So I would find it very hard to consent to the scheme. The site's lovely, it's beautiful, the houses would be gorgeous, no question about it, but I don't think it can be made safe in my view. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, seems to me um, that this is too good an opportunity to turn down a brownfield site. Um, very few of them about these days, and we are encouraged to use them where possible. It's in, in a sustainable location. Um, we are told by the experts at uh, Essex uh, County Council, the highways, that uh, the, uh, with suitable uh, ac uh, visibility splays on the access road on the at the entrance, um, it will be um, acceptable and satisfactory. And presumably, if the uh, traffic speeds are, are causing any difficulty there, one would imagine that highways would be more receptive to. Um, um, putting a 30 mile an hour limit in place. So um, I'm, my suggestion, Chairman, is that we should approve this uh, application and, uh, and I do make that, uh, like to make that proposal. Okay, I'll take your proposal at this point. Um, anybody else want to comment on this at this stage? Okay, I'll put my two pennies in. Um, I'd like to see in the detailed plans that come forward if this is approved that we have a planting scheme to replace the trees that are going to be removed. Um, I, I note Councillor Fairhurst's and Freeman's issue on the speed of cars coming through here. I think it would be prudent uh, that we lobby through uh, the local councillor, Councillor Harris, to actually look at a 30 mile an hour limit for this because of the bus stops on either side because of the flitch entrances and because of the Persimmon home site, which is also causing some problems further up the road um, because that's another sharp access onto this. So I think that's something that can be progressed. It's not within our power to do, but I think it's something that ought to be put forward. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst, you want to speak? Thank you, Mr Chairman. I, I, I appreciate your, your discussion on that. But our job here is to, is to approve plans where we assure they are safe. It's not really to hope that they'll be made safe in future. I'm concerned because you're adults making this decision. From all of our visits today, none of us can put up their hand today and say we felt it was safe. It wasn't safe. So on that basis, I'm afraid I cannot support this. Okay, I take your point. Um, I have a proposer. Does it find a seconder? I'm happy to second from the chair. And 
Councillor, Mr. Brown, sorry, I promoted him. He's going to speak before we take it. Yeah, first. just picking up your two, picking up one point, and one point I've just spotted as well. The point you've raised in terms of getting replanting as part of the landscape. Obviously, landscaping is a reserve matters, and that's covered within the requirements under Condition One. But we could put a condition on saying, as part of the submission, the landscaping submission regarding Condition One, we would require replanting to replace trees lost at the front of the site. And I've also just spotted, and this isn't Clive's fault, this is the Highway Authority, didn't request the visibility condition be included. Uh, now, the visibility condition, obviously, it can be sorted. With the loss of the trees, it can be sorted. But what we need is a condition which says that from then on, um, the, the whole of that splay will be kept free of any obstruction of more than basically anything up to driver car height. And so, therefore, there needs to be a visibility condition added to it as well, which covers that uh, 90 by, 90 by 2.4. Or so that needs to be covered by a condition. Highways didn't request that, but that needs to be put in if members were going to approve this. Councillor Fairhurst, is it, is it proposed? I want to ask a question: Is it possible, therefore? to conceive of a splay on both sides. Because what we talked about on the splay, with the, with the pollard tree side I get completely. It's the other side I need. And what's on the plan is not a splay. If we had, if we had a decent splay there, I'd be, be minded to change my mind. It is, it is a splay both sides. It's 2.490 going. The, it's easy on the other side. You can actually see because it literally goes to where the other access is, which takes away those trees. But on the other side, it goes, and it's clearer of structures that way, that it goes in front of, there's a hedge towards the front of the site, and it goes along that front. I know you were concerned at the buttress, the buttress where the, where the goes. That's beyond 90 metres away, isn't it? So... Pardon. If you look at this uh, drawing, and as I say, I did get this confirmed with the applicant's architects this morning. Um, the green line, which you can see, uh, this one here, extends all the way to that point there where you were standing this morning, okay? And that there is the front face of the railway bridge buttress. So the, the, the visibility display is taken from that point there, 2.4 metres in, all the way along past the front of the buttress with clear visibility, not impeded, up to that point on the hill, to that point there, 90 metres away. I understand. The displays look different because, because of the curve of the road. I appreciate that. That's yeah. a visibility display. What I'm concerned about is the runoff. At the end of the day, I can see it, but I'm doing 40 miles an hour. And, and while I was there, I was thinking, time in terms of speed, that's not enough time for a, for a small child to cross either way and make a decision. If we had some kind of runoff, like we have on the other side, I'd be mind to support it. Without the runoff, you're effectively saying, great, you can see it, so what? Okay, I, I see what you're saying. Um, again, we've got a clearance from highways to say this meets the standard. I, I you know, I take your point. Uh, it is an accepted standard. I, I, and I was there. Yeah, I take your point. They come through there too quickly, but it's. Yeah, I think we ought to lobby, or you know, through the local councillor for a 30. I think it's perfectly justifiable. But we don't get that many brownfield sites, and this is one that perhaps we ought to take advantage of. Yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, I have a proposer and I have a seconder. All those in favour, please show. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Those against? Two. That item is approved. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mr Theobald. Moving on to UTT 173440, land at Brick Kjeld Lane, Stebbing. And it's also you, Mr Theobald. This uh, full application is for the erection of two dwellings which would be to complete what would be a five dwelling in line development uh, at this site uh, between uh, the end of Brand End and the beginning of Stebbing. Um, you will see from the bottom here that these are the two dwellings which are proposed to be uh, built within what would be the remaining space save for a gap which would be a uh, field access to land to the rear from Brick Kiln Lane. And the dwellings proposed, which are these, which are uh, four or five bedders, they are handed with each other, as you can see. And in terms of design, layout and spacing, they are in fact a pair which are handed with this pair here which have already been built. In fact, uh, you went past the site this morning um, just to show you what the details would be. Uh, this is a section showing from the road frontage. Uh, you will see that the ridge lines for the proposed plots four and five dwellings are the same as plots one, two and three, with the space distance to the outbuilding for Mead Cottage. And just to um, give you a flavour of the street scene, this is looking from the listed cottages towards the development. Um, this is showing the uh, Victorian dwelling on the end with plot one, and plots two and three, and that's the remaining gap, which at the moment is a construction site. And on the right-hand side is the one-half-storey dwelling, which is the Grade 2 listed Mead Cottage, with the adjacent cottage also listed. That just gives you a better view of the street scene. So, in effect, the two dwellings which would be going in that gap would be uh, identical uh, to these dwellings already built. In terms of the site layout, Um, there is a sufficient rear amenity space uh, which would meet the standards for um, rear sitting out areas and the parking would be compliant for both blocks to the front consistent with the parking that's been already um, uh, proposed and approved on that scheme for the three dwellings adjacent. So um, the principle of this uh, site for housing has already been approved under two um, preceding outline applications. Uh, those applications in outline form have since lapsed, but in the intervening period, uh, there was a detailed application proposed and granted for the three dwellings, which you now see, which have been built. And this is uh, another application to simply fill the gap to make up the five dwellings which were previously approved under a separate full application.
you will see in the report that the impact on the setting of the two adjacent listed buildings has been assessed by the Council's Conservation Officer. And uh, what she has said in terms of the salient points is that my special consideration must relate to plot five, and uh, that is that one there, uh, which would be a neighbour to listed Mead Cottage and would have an effect on its form and setting. She says, I estimated the distance between the two would be over 20 metres. That's from the um, uh, Curtis line. And uh, she has assessed that the development by the infilling for plots four and five would not have a significantly detrimental impact on the character or setting of this listed building and therefore uh, would not amount to, would be less than substantial harm uh, when assessed against paragraph 134 of the National Planning Policy Framework. Um, in terms of other aspects, um, as I said, the access arrangements, parking arrangements are really as per as approved, and there are no objections there. And the dwelling mix, albeit that it is the same effect as one, two, and three, is considered that this, as a five dwelling scheme, is acceptable for the site. So in terms of recommendation, Chairman, this application is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr Theobald. Um, I would perhaps question the Conservation Officer's scale rule because it looks closer than 20 metres to me. Uh, we have one speaker, Sandy. Sandy Merrifield, Stebbing Parish Council. Sandy, you have three minutes. Thank you. Um, yes, I was about to say the 20 metres is definitely, you'd, it's, a, in, it's definitely not 20 metres. Um, our, our biggest issue is actually the um, field access. Um, I, I, sort of, I did read the officer's report, so I know that's going to be um, the probable outcome of this. However, in all of the applications and the outline planning applications, there was never our field access in them. Um, there was a field access to the right of Appledore, which is next to number one, um, and they built um, number one right up against the garage and outbuilding of Appledore. And just recently they have filled in where the pavement, and the pavement was actually down, it wasn't access, so they filled that in. Um, they then put in the second outline planning application, and again, there wasn't an access. They put in an application for the call for sites, and with the five houses, they put a, an access in for the call for sites between houses four and five, um, and your planning officers rejected that particular site for, we would say on the parish council, for all the reasons that they should have rejected, rejected the five houses in the first place. Um, um, also, Bran End, that is not the end of Bran End. Um, that's about the middle of Bran End and was the only open space area and views in Bran End left. Um, uh, so our, our real gripe about this is putting a field access where there wasn't one. Um, the, the landowner who owns the land at the back has a field access from the B1057. So we see no reason why there should be another field access because we fear um, 
creep, should we say, um, of, of development. Um, really, that's what um, our argument is today. I realise that having read, as I say, the planning officer's um, comments, that, that will probably be rejected. However, um, yet again, we feel we have to make this point that putting accesses where there never was one. The field hasn't been farmed. I've lived in Stebbing 24 years. I have not seen that field farmed at all. It is, it is cut once a year, and the, the access from the B1057 would be perfectly adequate for that. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs Merrifield. Uh, we have no other speakers, to it's... Uh, I was Mr. Sea about to just clarify one point. point. Yeah, thank you. Um, with reference to the separation distance on the uh, listed buildings aspect of this, where reference is made to 20 metres by the conservation officer, um, it is in fact the distance from the, uh, the boundary for uh, Block 4 to the principal uh, listed building on the site, which is the cottage itself. Um, I appreciate that is an outbuilding. Uh, which may be curtilage listed, but in terms of the actual distance measured, uh, she's measured from the, uh, the boundary to the principal building on the site. You mean from plot five? Okay. Okay, I'll take your point. Yeah, the plan looks wrong here where it's showing a larger building. Um, okay, uh, over to you members. Any comments? Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman. I uh, was pleased to see the Conservation Office is quite substantial comment on the process and I'd be tempted to follow her advice on this um, because she has con considered all issues. I have just two questions. The one was the 20 metres. I hate being misled or, mis or misunderstanding issues because we need to know all the facts. I'm sure that no one meant anything <coughs> by it but that would be a worry for me. Um, the second is the question of the field access. Which I didn't know about it at all. It was brought to our attention by one of the speakers and might I suggest in fact to be conditionalised and acceptance on that and on that basis I would propose to accept. <coughs> Uh, we yeah, conditionalise, you take away that field access was not necessary in the first place. Uh, it's not actually part of this planning application. So it's outside of the land that we've got under application here. Uh, just bear with me a minute and we'll just see what is possible and what isn't. Sorry, we may, perhaps we'd ask a speaker who raised it to, who alleged it to justify it. Mr. Brown will now clarify. This the field access is not included within the red land. That's the first issue. So whatever decision members make today, you're not approving a field access. But they have indicated a field access on land outside the red land. The road going through Brand End is a classified road. It's a new access that would require planning permission. We haven't got any of those in front of us today. And I don't think we've had an application for field access. So at the end of the day, what, what it's basically doing is the applicant is claiming a field access that doesn't exist, exactly what the parish have said. To be honest with you, it's a slight red herring, but I can really understand where the parish are coming from here in terms of it, the fact it's not what's been approved. So you don't need to condition it because it needs permission anyway. Thank you very much for that. Um, can we put an informative on there that this is, is pointed out flagged? We can do that. As they've raised it, we can, we can inform them back. Thank you, then. I, then I would propose that we accept this. I'm happy to second that as well from the Chair. All those in favour, please show.
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, unanimous. Okay, that item is approved. Thank you. Everybody all right? Don't need a break? Right, okay. Moving on, UTT 17, 3078, full application at 22 Cambridge Road, Stansted. Mr Alana will take us through it. Mr Alana, when you're ready. Thank you, Chair. The application before you is uh, a site located within 22 Cambridge Road. And that's the site line there. At the moment, it's a vacant uh, retail uh, premises. And the idea before you today, or this application, is a change of use which will involve a change of use from retail, class A1 use, to a mixed use. Restaurant, takeaway, class A3, A5, and installation of extraction, stroke ventilation equipment, and new door opening. The proposed restaurant's takeaway will open between 11 a.m. until 23 p.m., seven days a week. This is the existing ground and first floor of the building. I think it members remember uh, where we're conducting site visit this afternoon, or rather this morning. We actually passed through it to slow down for members to take note of the exact location in terms of its proximity to nearby zebra crossing. I'm going to address that issue as I move on. This is the existing front and side elevation. This is the application site here. With advertisement sign bordage from the estate agent. Here we are. And if members could remember, there's a zebra back a little bit. There's a zebra crossing just almost directly opposite the site, but you can see at the moment um, there's an existing residential use at the back of the first floor of this premises. Following negotiation with environmental health officers, that's, that has been an alteration as reported in your planning report in terms of the internal layout of the ground floor. This is the proposed site elevation, revised again, and the proposed front elevation. It should be noted that from the rear, as I'm going to demonstrate, the location of the ventilation ducting. The issue here is whether the change of use before you will adversely affect the amenity of neighboring properties. Secondly, whether it's going to generate an adverse traffic 
impact within the local environment. Also, in my report, I have identified and demonstrated that the principle of change of use is acceptable given the location of the site, which is within a shopping parade. The principle of that has been established and accepted. The issue regarding amenity took a very extensive negotiation between the planning officer, environmental health officers, and the applicant in order to secure an appropriate ventilation ducting in order not to harm the amenity of neighboring properties such as noise, generation, and pollution, i.e. odor from cooking. Another issue is regarding opening hours as recommended in the report, which has been considered acceptable. This application generated a lot of objection, primarily due to the impact it will have on traffic. This application is supposed to have been before the committee roughly two months ago, but it was pulled back to enable us to establish properly, despite the highway engineers did not raise objection, the applicant decided to commission in highway assessment report studies. Reconsultation was carried out to all neighboring properties, including internal and external consultees. Chair, as I said earlier on, initially, the highway engineers did not raise objection. Despite that, we still pursue this application to, in, in, in the process of the reconsultation following the traffic assessment. In your report, the findings from that traffic impact studies has been carried out, and the conclusion is that given the existing nearby car parking layout and facilities within that area, despite this application site did not come with its own designated car parking area. The traffic report indicated there is a facilities nearby. The proximity of this site to bus stop is also noted. On balance, following the report of the traffic impact studies, it was revealed that given the nature of the existing retail established uh, use of that particular premise as a retail store, the amount of traffic generated by, if assuming it's still operating as a retail, will not, will, will be, will, I mean, the, the current change of use will not go beyond the sort of traffic impact if retail is being operated within the premises. So on balance, according to the report before you, the findings of the traffic engineers and the traffic study concluded that this application will not generate adverse impact. Overall, the application is considered acceptable. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Alana. We have uh, four speakers, so I'll take uh, Andrew Monk first, an objector. Uh, not at this time, Mr. Monk, if you don't mind. It, it's, it's really difficult if we haven't had the information before, Mr. Monk, okay? You have three minutes. Okay, okay, Mr. Monk. I wish to object to the proposed development at 22 Cambridge Road. I would, offer, I would like to offer the case officer's comments for review. In point 11.2.4, the case officer's visit to the site revealed that the type of parking available along this part of Cambridge Road cannot be absolutely relied upon to surface, service the use of the proposed application as a restaurant and takeaway service. The reason being that customers are likely to be parking within restrictive parking zones, areas and close by to the nearby bus stop. 
Uh, Croft Transport Solutions, uh, which are acting for the, the applicant, suggest that Zone B, which is Clarence Road, uh, northwards to St John's Road, provides 21 car parking spaces. However, there is no mention that this is generally taken up by residents of Cambridge Road parking outside their respective dwellings. And this area has recently been the subject at parish council meetings become permit parking for residents only in the future. The other major issue involves the footpath from Clarence Road Junction outside number 34, uh, southwards to the proposed site some 50 metres away. Apart from this junction being used as a constant turning point, the pavement is approximately four metres wide, reducing to three metres wide at the pedestrian crossing next to the proposed site. Besides shoppers parking on this section of pavement, drivers frequently use this footpath to drive fully along this stretch, often incorporating the pedestrian crossing as an access point. Uh, the photos would actually show that if you would permit me to, to, to enable them to park outside uh, any of the eateries. This has recently been the subject at a meeting between Stanstead Parish Council and the Highways Department representative, who were appalled that this practice of driving between the, the pedestrian crossing uh, is highly illegal uh, and is carried out on a regular basis. Uh, notwithstanding the health and safety issues, the residents along this stretch of Cambridge Road are adamant that Uttlesford District Council and Stanstead Parish Council and the highways have a duty of care to pedestrians. Wheelchair users and other road users and as such are duty bound to address the issue with some of the form of pavement protection i.e. in steel, concrete bollards, planters, to avoid a serious injury or loss of life. Irrespective of whether this application is passed, these bollards are currently in use on the western side of the crossing to prevent vehicular access to that pavement where pedestrians and school children are using this footpath. I would urge Oxford District Council and Highways Department to collaborate to stop this practice forthwith. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Monk. Um, Karen Jones. Karen, you also have three minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Karen Jones, and I have been a resident of Stansted Mount Fidget for the last 20 years. I'm here today and speaking on behalf of residents of Clarence Road, uh, which is situated, is a privately maintained road situated some 50 metres uh, from the proposed domino site. Um, I wish to bring to the attention of Uttlesford District Council that we are already under increased pressure from current parking issues in this vicinity. We have patrons of Tesco, the Wood Grill restaurant and Churchill's Fish and Chip Shop already oversubscribing our road, often parking in excess of two hours. With the addition of a Domino's restaurant and takeaway, this issue will only be exas exasperated beyond reasonable acceptance of any resident. We currently have to tolerate parking across our driveways and in some cases actually on our driveways all too frequently. Increased traffic for yet another food outlet or restaurant will only add to this issue. There's a pedestrian crossing, as you saw on the plan, immediately outside of the proposed site. There will soon be increased demand on this crossing when the new school, Magna Carta Primary School, opens in St John's Road. This school main access will be down Clarence Road. Need I highlight the dangers involved when you mix indiscriminate parking and young children, taking into account that this application covers the hours 11am to 11pm seven days a week. 
The applicant notes that there is a parking facility at Crafton Green Car Park. However, currently there is a minimum charge of 40 pence per visit. Therefore, I believe that no takeaway customer will use this facility when he can pull up outside the, on the pavement outside of his re restaurant, regardless of any parking restrictions that already exist. Um, but this is already demonstrated at many of the um, outlets we already have here. Um, after all, the nature of the beast, as we know as human beings, is that we expect no less than to pull up outside of the takeaway, grab our food and drive off. Um, I've witnessed for myself the indiscriminate parking chaos that ensues outside the two pizza outlets actually in Hill Street, Saffron Walden. There's a Domino's and I believe a Calzone Essential. They are less than about 50 metres away from a car park and the same scenario is visible outside the Bishop Stortford outlet. Surely this would suffice to raise awareness of parking difficulties outside these establishments to this committee. On a personal note, I do not believe it should be acceptable for myself. I had to spend a lot of time um, researching over the weekends and evenings uh, this information to object to something that my village simply does not need. Um, myself and other residents of Clarence Road fully and totally object to this application and would urge Uttlesford District Council to recognise and acknowledge the amount of disruption it would bring to the, us residents and our daily lives. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Okay. Uh, Councillor Davey. <coughs> Our apologies. Uh, Daphne. Three minutes. On behalf of the Parish Council. Um, we object to the application on the following grounds. Risk of further increased incidents or dangerous driving and illegal parking. The site is situated adjacent to a pedestrian crossing, creating an increased risk to the safety of pedestrians. Patrols by the parking partnership are not often enough to eliminate these risks. A new housing development is being built further adjacent as to the south, and we have already raised concerns regarding vehicles accessing and exiting this new site without the extra flow of parking that this application would create. We also object in respect of a smell, noise, nuisance to neighbouring residents and would ask the noise and disturbance survey be carried out. I would also like to comment in more detail in respect of the parking issues. The takeaway element of this application is a hot pizza takeaway. In this, it represents the very essence of grab and go. Yes, there are similar operating facilities along the Cambridge Road. However, the addition of one further will only lead to an exacerbation of the existing issues. Additionally, this application includes a proposal for a restaurant facility with 24 covers. The Cambridge Road is a main thoroughfare north-south. There is limited parking along the road during daylight hours and during the evening. The road carries an enormous amount of traffic. I can't understand that. I don't know when that was taken, but it's never like that. <laughs> um, it services local access to schools, etc., the station, the M11 and the A120. It 
used to be the old A11. Parking enforcement along the Cambridge Road from observation appears to be insufficient as it exists for the time it takes the control person to walk along both sides of the road. This is little detriment. There are parking opportunities, yes, in the Crafton Green car park, but the current experience shows that people are unwilling to walk even that distance when hot food is sought and the family at home are waiting. Very true. Make no mistake, there will be illegal parking along the Cambridge Road and the other small roads which open onto the Cambridge Road and this will cause a problem for local residents. There is already parking on the Cambridge Road footway. This is parking by residents and existing persons shopping. But it does restrict sight lines and narrows further the traffic opportunity for taking avoiding actions should the necessity arise. I've witnessed other areas, as my colleague here, for example in Bishop Stortford and Saffron Walden, where vehicles are left perched, almost, all around where their drivers queue for hot food. History here in Stansted shows that at peak eating times, grab-and-go shoppers park as near as possible to the outlet they are visiting and do not consider the parking prohibitions. They park dangerously and make illegal traffic manoeuvres speed being the essence for hunter-gatherers. I have seen near misses involving both pedestrians and vehicles in the Cambridge Road. Drivers intent on simply turning, sorry, drivers intent on simply returning with their bags of hot goodies, shopping and from using the hole-in-the-wall cash machine. They perform three-point turns, sometimes even more, U-turns, and pedestrians walk their way through oncoming traffic intent on crossing the road without using existing traffic light crossing. The Parish Council does not condone irresponsible, inconsiderate, illegal and dangerous parking and it believes that this would be fostered if, the Uttlesford, if Uttlesford approval this, this application for change of use from retail to mixed class at 22 Stansted Road goes ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Daphne. Uh, Mr. Roberts, the agent, if you'd like to come forward. You have nine minutes. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Councillors. Um, my name is Jamie Roberts of Pegasus Group on behalf of the applicant. We've just heard local concerns relating chiefly to potential issues with parking and impact on local amenity at this site. Some of these comments do relate to the existing parking difficulties in the local area and the potential that they might worsen as a result of the change of use. I'd note that a transport note has been submitted to the case officer which provides evidence of the existing parking provision at the site, including to the north along Cambridge Road and also at the Crafton Green Car Park. This note finds that the, um, the parking spaces have got the capacity to serve a proposed use at peak times. I'd also just note that the ongoing Amherst Homes development just around the corner is required to provide a direct footway link to the Crafton Green Car Park. That will cut down the, uh, the distance uh, to the premises. The transport note also demonstrates that the fallback position for the site, which is a retail use, previously it was a uh, cooperative uh, convenience store, 
Uh, the fallback position has the potential to generate much greater demand for parking spaces than the proposed takeaway use. This is further supported by the fact that the highways officer raised no objection to the proposed change of use when originally consulted. They've advised there are suitable parking restrictions along the Cambridge Road in place to prevent inappropriate parking in the immediate vicinity of the site. And again, they've highlighted that the public car park is just within a short distance away. We've also heard concerns in respect of the impact of the use on residential amenity. The application is accompanied by full details of the proposed extraction and ventilation equipment and it's also accompanied by a noise report which demonstrates that the operation of a unit between 11am and 11pm would have no significant adverse impact upon residential amenity. The operator will use dry bake methods on site so there will be no frying taking place and therefore there will be limited potential for odour nuisance arising from the site. To provide additional comfort on this, carbon filtration has been added to the extraction system. A future-proofing condition has been recommended which will enable your council to retain control in the future should the type of cooking at the site change. Your council's environmental protection officers have raised no objection to the proposed use. They've requested further information relating to noise mitigation and odour control which have since been provided and they've been found acceptable by officers. As such, we're informed by them that the permitted opening hours will be 11am through to 11pm daily, consistent with other nearby premises. Councillors, this is a scheme which will bring an empty retail unit back into use after an extensive period of vacancy. Your officers and your statutory consultees have consulted, considered the application and they recommend approval in accordance with the conditions put forward to you. For these reasons, I respectfully request that you concur with your officer's recommendation and approve the application subject to any necessary and appropriately worded conditions. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Roberts. Uh, we have no other speakers. I'm going to ask Councillor Lachlan to speak, followed by Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. Uh, could I have the picture up, please? if you don't mind, of the premises with the crossing outside. That's the one. Well, I also don't know what time in the morning this was taken. It may have been the same time as the transport study uh, was done. Um, as you will see, there is a car parked outside, and I'm sorry, Mr. Allen, and there isn't the doctor's surgery there. It is a chiropractor. Um, I don't know if that's in Tesco's loading bay, and I don't know if it's five o'clock in the morning because there doesn't seem to be any, any people except for two people in hard hats outside of 14 Cambridge Road. But we're talking about uh, traffic and I would like to go back to uh, Chris Preston who's a planning inspector uh, who act, and I have the appeal statement here uh, for actually it was for 14 Cambridge Road which was refused and he says... Uh, at the time of my visits, applying he did more than one, uh, at the time of my visits to the site, there was significant competition for the limited number of parking spaces at Cambridge Road, something confirmed by representations received from local residents. And he goes on to say about the car park. 
However, even if spaces were available within the car park, I consider it unlikely that all visitors um, to residential and commercial properties, and this was 14 Cambridge Road, would find it convenient to park in that location. It is a pay and display car park. And also, I have to say, the car park is in the control of the parish council, and there is no guarantee that it will be there in perpetuity. Uh, and there, there is new premises being built to have a new council offices being built. They may decide they will take that facility away. We do not know. Um, so I would, like, I would like to make that point. Also, on this picture, as you will see, there are the zigzag lines that uh, outside the premises that actually lead up to the crossing. It is a controlled crossing where you push the button. Um, very often people are parking on those lines, which actually is not a parking offence. It's actually illegal to park uh, next to a zebra crossing or on a crossing line. So um, I actually find this to be a very unsuitable place for a takeaway. Uh, and also I believe it's a, a sit-down restaurant as well. And uh, Mr Alana, we haven't had the benefit of seeing this transport survey. Uh, you're the only one who has seen it. But I have had um, an email from uh, Mr Paul, who lives in Stansted, who said they didn't consider the restaurant use, but only the takeaway. Uh, and he says that people uh, sitting down will stay longer. So I wonder if you could shed any light for me on that, please. Uh, thank you, Councillor. I, I started by saying that this application has been delayed extensively. Why? To enable us to wait for the uh, transport impact studies to be carried out, to enable us to go out again and reconsult, which we did. The document of these findings is already on our website ever since we went out for reconsultation. In fact, we went beyond the scope of consultation period. And uh, it came to a point, I started asking my manager, when are we taking this? Because we have gone beyond the limit. So there's an evidence on the website. It's global. Anybody, anywhere, even from New York, can see it. Thank you. I don't live in New York, fortunately. I'm local. So, um, but you haven't answered my question because I asked you if he, they had taken an account, and I can't look now. I'll have to take your word for it. On the website, you're saying the traffic survey is on the website. But could you tell us, for the benefit who haven't looked at that website, if they have taken into account the mixed use or whether it was just takeaway? essence of free consultation is to put a document on the website to enable consultees to go into Sorry, the Sorry, Mr. Alana, I, I could, um, you, you're still not, you're just, you're hedging. Okay. Could, I don't know, okay, taking me, perhaps I should have looked at it, but these people in the audience may not have had the benefit of that. Some people don't have computers to look on websites. For, for the benefit of those people, could you please tell me whether this traffic survey took account of it being a sit-down and a takeaway or merely a takeaway, as Mr. Paul seems to think? Thank you. Council, as I understand it, um, all the supporting document, documents of this application is on the website. When we went out for reconsultation, solely based on the traffic studies, the letter that went out is to tell everybody, we've not, 
we've now got the findings of the trans, um, transport impact assessment, which is on the website. It's in their letter. So I can understand that probably some people doesn't have computer, but few people phoned me and said, Emmanuel, probably they don't have computer. We still believe that they don't accept the, tra the transport impact assessment. So I was able to reveal over the telephone to those few people that phoned me that the findings are as follows according to the report before you. Now, it's like, I don't know how to explain it beyond this. All reconsultation documents, or all reconsultation information, our letter specify why we are reconsulting. If it's a revised drawing, we're going to say it. If it is an additional document, we're going to say which that letter did. Uh, okay. Um, okay. I, I, well, okay. Uh, I'm going to take a five-minute adjournment for you to find a copy of the report. If, uh, on the, well, however you find it, I don't mind. Okay. If everybody has a five-minute break, sorry for causing a halt to everything. We'll try and sort this out now. Thank you. Have, have a comfort break, anybody that wants it. Yeah.
Okay, sorry for the delay, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. Um, if Councillor Lockham would like to ask the question yet again. Can I have a couple of Valium first? <laughs> I would like to ask Mr Alana, please, did the traffic survey include the sit-down uh, aspect of the application as well as the takeaway? And I promise you I will look at this on the website tonight, as I'm sure everybody else will be rushing to do. They did. Right. right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, You've got another question. That's why I look like this. Stress. Okay. Yeah, I know. All right. <laughs> yes, I, I actually have because <laughs> now I've gone all silly now. Uh, environmental health um, suggested, if I can find it. I've lost myself. Uh, it was about the opening hours. Um, I've got to find it now. Somebody tell me what page that's on. Send me. Oh, here we are. Found it. Uh, they have said um, the proposal for the premises uh, to be open to the public until 23 hours, which is one hour later than the previous commercial use of the site, restricting the closing time to 22 hours, and I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I think uh, half past 10 or 22.30 would be reasonable because that allows clearing up time as well. Um, and they say would allow uh, time for clearing up and for customers to disperse prior to 23 hours, after which nearby residents would have a reasonable expectation of a reduction in noise levels. So I actually don't think it's unreasonable to ask for it to be at the same time as the uh, fish and chip shop on the opposite side of the road. Um, um, I'm not going to say I'm approving this because I still, I, you know, I still have worries about traffic, but I would like to make a point about the opening hours, if that could be conditioned that they could be earlier, please. And I think that would be very fair to residents living nearby. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Hindsight is 2020. This is very complicated. We are rather unfortunate or fortunate in the fact that it's been mentioned twice, I can raise it, that we have the similar thing in uh, Saffron Walden, and I have an office directly opposite that site. So I've watched it from the very beginning. I'm going to go through a couple of points first. Um, the first question that I raised then, and I didn't sit, I excused myself last time because I was obviously vested interest. Um, was the risk of traffic. And it has been raised, so I'm going to discuss it. I also find that photograph rather amazing and, and certainly a collector's item because we were there today and I've been there many times and this is completely, it's, it's rather wonderful we can find a moment like that in our lives. Infrared, I'm sure. Um, traffic is not that simple. I, I don't know what, maybe I'm coming from somewhere else and maybe I'm in a, in a dream, but we keep on getting assessments that say traffic is fine and parking is fine. I'm sure these are wonderful people with brilliant qualifications who know much more than I do about it. Traffic is cars and parking, and there isn't any. I mean, there's lots of, there are a lot of cars going past all the time. There wasn't any in Saffron Walden. There isn't any here. We're told by the people who actually live there that Cambridge Road is, is, is off-street parking for people who live there. Um, there's a school coming, so guess what? That's going to be a, a greater uh, stress on the traffic. And yet there's parking. 
Um, the suggestion is made that just sort of a couple hundred yards or so down the way, we all know there's a parking place. So was the Ensafran Walls and the common parking place, which has never been used for, for the, the pizza we have at the moment. So let's not dream on that score. Um, the next question I had was, was noise and smell, and, and I'm afraid you know, we, we sort of anticipated that. But we're told, and we must believe, that in fact this has been taken care of by certain vents and certain, all sorts of wonderful things. Machines no longer make any noise and the smells will be covered and they won't fry. I'm going to give them a pass on that one. Um, except the time. The time worries me a lot because 2300 hours is late. And if we're all in, tucked up nice and bed as we should be, unless the TV is good, 2300 hours is when I want to sleep. And I don't want traffic going past and, and parking wrong places and flashing lights in my windows. So it's bothersome. So I'm still, I'm still at the, I, 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 I think I'd be, I'd be minded to accept the rather odd traffic assessment and the fact that there's no parking, just assume it's all going to be waved away because I rather like pizzas and I like business and we try to even secure the, the future of our towns and so I'm going to give all of them a pass on the condition that that 2300 hours becomes 2200 hours. You know, it's, it's a small compromise. Other than, uh, other, without that deal, I'm going to say no to all the other things. So if we, can achieve, if we can achieve that here today, I think I might be minded to support it. Thank you. I'll, I'll come back to you with that. Councillor Wells. Well, at the risk of repeating what's already been said, I find it very hard to support this because I drive through here regularly and as all the speakers have already said, it is chaotic. People parking, pulling in, pulling out, waiting to get in somewhere, it is chaotic already just trying to drive through without the thought of people stopping to pick up a takeaway because with the best will in the world, no one's going to go to a car park to do that. Councillor Freeman. Well, much has already been said. Uh, I agree that 2200 is, is where it should be. Once I, and twice actually, I lived adjacent to a pub in the days when they had licensing hours and they shut at 11, but then they spent the rest of the evening tidying the place up, you see. Uh, and so it was quite noisy until about 11.30 midnight. And the same applies to this. But I totally also agree with Councillor Wells. Uh, I've never driven along this piece of road when it's not been chaotic with respect to parked vehicles, uh, pedestrians trying to make their way along that. I think Photoshop's a wonderful thing because very clearly that image seems to have sort of benefited from it. Uh, so uh, I, I'm almost inclined to say no to this application simply because it's so much in the wrong place. Yeah. It really is. If you're going to have it, limit it to 2,200 hours, definitely. And can I suggest that for some reason the machinery is still developed uh, delivering 39 decibels uh, in the night. Actually, all you do is you switch your fans off. You don't need to have them on overnight. You know, switch them on when you're doing your pizzas, by all means, but you don't need mechanical ventilation in the middle of the night. So, actually, it's all switched off. It's very simple. Thank you, Chair. Um, Eric, just before I come to you, Mr. Brown is going to comment on the photoshopping. Can I just confirm that people are, people are assuming, by looking at this photo, that this is a brilliant one that the applicants put in. This is from Google Maps. But having said all that, I, I, having said all that, it is actually, I, I actually agree with you. I've never ever seen it like that either. So and we, we drove it through today and it was okay-ish today, but it, it, that was lucky this morning that we actually got through. So that's not actually the case. But while I'm on, can I just also say that 
this is a complicated one and it's an existing and I think the speakers were very good in the, the, the two points come out from the speakers come up with various lots of good points but one of the critical the word grab and grow was mentioned and that is the difference members need to get in their minds the difference between this being used as a supermarket and it being used as a pizza it's going to have different types of traffic it's not going to have more traffic it's not going to have less traffic it's going to have different traffic and that's the difference i don't think it's going to and, uh, and the grab and go issue is like if you're dropping if you're popping in for a pint of milk or you're popping in for a pizza um, a pint of milk could be part of a number of errands you're doing in town a pizza is not going to be part of a number of errands i would accept what people are saying you're not going to go into a car park and then wander across to buy a pizza but you may park in a car park and wander off and go to a restaurant. So members, members know what I don't have to tell you that. But that's uh, members just, and that's why the traffic study is considering the difference between it being used as a supermarket and the difference between it being used as a pizza. And that's all members need to get around in their heads of it. And uh, but there is an exist. The other speaker, Mr. M Mr. Monk, earlier on, also okay. He was objecting to the proposal, but he did raise. It's important issues that the, the county council, the district council and the parish council do have a duty here. There is an existing problem. If we walk away here today and you're not going to get a Domino's in that location, you're still going to go back to a chaotic situation in Cambridge Road. As if, if this let is a retail unit, there's still an issue. If it remains empty, it still remains. Because over enforcement, over car parking, all those particular issues. And I think the parties are working together trying to sort out the general problems on Cambridge Road. And I don't think this one's coming into that particular problem. But while all that's happening, I don't think you should put everything at this applicant's door. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, Chairman. I, uh, I think it's a bit unfair if Mr. Brown insists on making my speech for me before I do and takes away all the points I was going to make. Um, the traffic is there. This is a major road. It's going to be traffic going through there also all hours of the day and night. And, uh, and so I think the noise aspect is perhaps less of a consideration in this situation than it would be in many others. Um, Traffic in general is obviously going to be a problem. One thing I'm not clear about from the uh, officer's report is there going to be a uh, delivery service from this outlet as there is at many dominoes where they have drivers pulling up every 15, 20 minutes um, to pick up another order to take to another customer. <coughs> okay, I, I think I can clarify that there will be a delivery service operating. Is that correct? Microphone. There's a tendency for that. Uh, in answer to that, there's a tendency. <laughs> okay. We, we don't really know the answer. Is that the really what? I just think we need. Although we know the applicants likely to be Domino's Pizzas here, but the application is for change of use to a takeaway restaurant. And if this had been a different operator, it may not be. But yes, if this is a Domino's, it's very likely there will be. The answer is yes, there will be deliveries, won't okay. so the So it's on a main road, it's in a noisy situation, but it is on a location where there are other fast food outlets, fish and chip shops being mentioned. Um, that's not far away. And people have to get to that as well. So. Uh, it's, um, I find myself uh, a little bit uh, divided on this one, not knowing quite 
what the right answer is. I, I do um, believe that the traffic problem and the amount of illegal parking that's undoubtedly taking place in this location should be dealt with, but that's not the business of this committee. And uh, so, uh, I'm, well, I, uh, I could see it needs to be considered, but it's not, a, it's not really for us to try and sort it out. As um, Mr. Brown said in, in my speech, which he took, um, that uh, either the county or the district or the parish council should all get together and do something about it. And I, <coughs> I think okay. that is probably essential. But, okay. uh, uh, to say you can't have a pizza outlet in this location for the reasons given, I think, doesn't really hold water. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take Councillor Lodge. Councillor Lachlan, I know you want to speak next. Uh, 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 Sorry, is it, is it yes, my turn now? Yes, Chair. Uh, part of the conclusion... <laughs> <laughs> part of the... Part of the conclusion of this application, I, I cited here saying, the proposed application is acceptable because it will bring a vacant premises within a designated local center to a beneficial use by contributing towards a mixed-use activities of the area and enhance the vitality and local economic development of this part of Stansted, in addition with the creation of local jobs and services. Thank you. Mm, Council Lodge. It is my turn. I'm speaking as someone who lives within a few hundred yards of a Domino's pizza, as a, as a, as a first point to make. Um, and I am also concerned about the vitality of the high street. Um, it's, it's a pretty um, sad sight to, uh, to see that, and uh, Mary Portis has been working hard on such situations. I support uh, the, uh, the, the, the hours of limitation to, uh, to 10 in the evening. And I think particularly seeing also the sit-down pizzas in Saffron Walden, uh, they're pretty empty by about 9, 9.30, and I don't think that, that will cause a problem. I have one other also possible um, condition, and that is seeing the operation of that pizza shop in, uh, in Saffron Walden. After some uh, initial difficulties, which I think Councillor Fairhurst referred to, Almost exclusively, the drivers at Domino's do in fact park in the Saffron Walden Common Car Park. Could we also condition that any likely uh, delivery vehicles uh, do not park outside and do use that, uh, that car park? And then looking at the overall traffic situation, as you said, it isn't, it isn't the, the problem of this one applicant that, that the, um, the traffic conditions are so bad. I would, I would urge the uh, local authorities in working with county to, to in fact uh, maybe put physical restrictions against people driving onto the pavement, pavement and also pay, pay some attention to working on, on actual enforcement and some early enforcement to make sure uh, that we get proper use of the high street. So look, looking at those conditions I think that on a very difficult balance, I'm likely to support it really just to, to maintain the vitality of this high street. <coughs> okay, thank you for that. Councillor Lachlan, and then I'm going to try and wrap this up. Thank you. Well, actually, you've um, actually hit the nail on the head as well from something I was going to say because I was going to say about the delivery. If it's a takeaway, um, 
uh, and obviously uh, Mr. Alana said it is, um, then that if it's bikes or whatever it is, uh, they shouldn't be parking outside. And just one last thing, I'd like to know when that was taken because I've been trying to pick up my prescription all week and I'd like to go at that time. Uh, I would like to clarify, firstly, can we condition physical bollards, yellow lines, 2200 hours and parking off the front? In that order, please. Probably no, 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 yes and no, probably. But looking at it, fine, in, in, terms of <laughs> in terms of traffic order stuff, that's for another place. But picking up Councillor Lodge's point about preventing cars from parking on the adjacent to premises, they can't anyway, because there's, there's restrictions there. But, the, the, the other, but the, I personally think, being counterintuitive, that could cause more problems, because you're actually saying you can't park there, but we can't make them park somewhere else. We can only say they can't park there, which means that could cause a problem for Clarence Road. All those, all those type of things could, could escalate there. Um, what we could do, and also it does depend whether it's cars or motorcycles, for instance. Um, so, and because motorcycles in between that, in that gate, there is an, a gate access to the site where there is potential for storage of motorcycles in there. Yeah. You can't put that with cars. So um, can we, we can condition that prior to the open of the premises, um, that a scheme for the, the parking, parking, of parking of delivery vehicles, and that could, we, you know, we can do that. In terms of the operating hours, yes, that is completely and utterly in your gift. Obviously, you need to have a business head on and say, this needs to operate. My view, the difference between 11 o'clock and 10 o'clock is significant for the residents, but I wouldn't suggest it was that significant for the business. Um, you also need to know in the experiences we've had, and I know we, you need to look at each premises on its, on its merits. The first one that we had, which was quite contentious when it came in, was the one in Great Dunmo, where there was problems. And now that has an 11 o'clock operation situation. Ironically, that's closer to residential properties, so there's more of an issue there, but less of an issue in terms of traffic. Um, there was problems like that means you can wander in at one minute to 11 and order a pizza and leave the premises at half past 11 because so making it 10 or earlier means that you get that cross. The difference between 10 and 10 and half 10 is, is your gift, but yes, we can for 10 o'clock. <clears throat> right, so on the basis that we could limit the opening time to 10 o'clock, Councillor Fairhurst, yeah? Yeah, to 10 o'clock, okay. And on the basis that we could ask for um, for parking of any delivery vehicles to be into the side access, or... We do, we do it as, we, sorry, we'll do it as part of a scheme to be yeah, submitted. exactly. But okay. Okay, under those conditions, we have, um, we have a recommendation for approval. Uh, does that find somebody to approve? It does, okay. Does that find a seconder, please? All right, I'll second from the chair. We have an approval and we have a seconder. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All those against, please show. One, two, two against and one abstention, I presume. Okay, that matter is decided. Thank you very much. Sorry it was so long-winded. Uh, moving on. Elsenham Golf and Leisure Centre, UTT, 17, 15, 33, full application. Miss Jones. Mrs. Jones. Sorry. It's not my day, is it?
Madeline. Thank you, Chair. This application relates to a golf course with associated clubhouse and golf driving range in Elsenham. The proposal is to vary condition 14, which said that no waste other than those waste materials defined in the application details shall enter the site of planning permission UTT 161066-4, which was for the modernisation of the golf course to include the creation of a chipping green, a venture golf area, driving range refurbishment, extension to the car park and creation of a reservoir for the purpose of sustainable on-site irrigation and landscape and ecology enhancements. The variation would allow the importation of waste material from additional sites. The variation is required because the donor site cited within UTT 161066 may not be able to provide all of the material which is required to create the improvements and certainly not within an acceptable time frame. In order to address the material shortfall stroke delay, it is required to import material from additional sites in the likely event that this would be required. The principle of the application has been accepted under UTT 161066-4 and there would be no change to the amount of the volume of material to be imported to the site. The suggested condition would then allow the applicant to deal directly with the Environment Agency as to whether a permit for the works is required and which is separate to planning. In view of the uncertainty around what is the approved source and protocol in respect of the material to be imported, along with the uncertainties with regard to the volume of material available from the donor site and the certainty of timescales, it is considered to be reasonable to allow a variation of condition 14 to allow the material to be imported come from other sites other than that listed in documents submitted with UTT 161066. Since writing up the report, conditions um, 78916, 17, 2, 3, 4, 5 and 6, sorry they're in the wrong order, um, have been discharged and therefore should be changed to secure compliance with the documents submitted to discharge them as has been done with conditions 2, 3, 5 and 6 in my report. The application is re recommended for approval. Thank, thank you, Mr. Jones. Chair, Chairman, that doesn't seem to bear any re resemblance to the map. Or maybe it's just me. Uh, well, we come to that. We'll, we'll uh, deal with the speaker first and then I'll come to any discrepancies. Uh, we have one speaker, Mr. Nelson. Thank you for your patience. Hello, thanks for <coughs> letting me speak. I'm James Nelson. Um, I'm a specialist in land condition, uh, practicing mainly in contaminated land and waste management, risk assessment and remediation. Um, the, the variation we're looking for is, as Madeline's just pointed out, we have, well, we originally put in uh, a donor site that was going to supply the materials for the reprofiling of the site to create the driving range and the adventure golf and the pond area. It's looking now because of time scales and the availability of the soils, they won't be able to give us the quantity we were asking for in the time scales that we need it. Um, 
there's a reference to waste materials, which I need to clarify here. Uh, it's only waste in the sense that the donor site doesn't want it. It's not the sort of waste you're thinking you're getting in a dustbin or you see fly-tipped at the side of the road. This is essentially clean topsoil, subsoil, and other similar materials mined from essentially a field. So these are the materials that we need to use. Uh, there's currently um, issues with the site, with the, the lovely weather we've had lately. There's certain parts of the site have become seriously waterlogged, so the current driving range is pretty much a giant bog, so the normal ball harvesting machine can't be used, having to hand pick balls out and people being bombarded with golf balls in the process. So in terms of supporting that, um, the, the whole process of using the materials will be managed and supervised uh, by some kind of protocol which is outside of planning, which is either going to be an environmental permit or the DAOCOP methodology, but that's what we're going to have to agree with the Environment Agency. We also have some support from um, Essex County and the EA in terms of the variation, in terms of the description of materials that will be imported, which again is clean greenfield soils. So I think that's pretty much it. Thank you, Mr. Nelson. Okay, um, okay members, it's over to you. This is quite clearly a case of we're going to get the dirt from somewhere else, and you're currently flooded. Over, Mr. Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Mills. <laughs> The, uh, I'm, I need some guidance here. It says no waste other than those waste materials defined in the application details shall enter the site. What are those particular details? I mean, I understand it's about a particular donor site, but it doesn't talk about the genus of, of waste. My problem is this. I like the idea of controlling what goes underground. It's an issue for me. Um, waste disposal is a big issue and it's got lots of money attached to it. So I like some control. I hate losing control by, by varying clauses that lose control completely. So what are you going to propose instead? They haven't stated where the uh, soil, um, the, the waste will come from because they don't know at the moment. Um, but what they've said that it will be clean greenfield so, um, soil and subsoils, um, naturally derived um, soils. What um, I have done is been in conversation with Essex County Council, Waste Authority and the Environment Agency and they um, have told me what the wording should be so that we don't get waste as in rubbish. So can I ask what that wording is please? Sorry, what they're building? Sorry, what is the wording that they're giving you? It's on condition for 14 on my report. And I think the clarification... So I can read it out. It says, um, no materials other than clean, naturally occurring soil and mineral including top and subsoils, underlying rock from which constitutes parts made up part of the soil, clay, silts, sands and gravels, underlying geology shall be to the site. No contaminated materials and or waste that will undergo any significant physical, chemical or biological transformations and or dissolve, burn or otherwise physically or chemically react, biodegrade or adversely affect other matter with which it comes into contact shall be imported to the site. All materials imported must be capable of direct use as part of the development hereby permitted without the need for treatment. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. On that basis, provided we have an oversight addition to that process, I'd be minded to support it. Um, oversight must be some um, measure, there must be some ultimate arbiter of what complies with that requirement, and that must be at UDC, not somewhere else, if you don't mind. Uh, will the Environment Agency have that responsibility? Yeah, we, we don't have the expertise for that, I would say, in-house. Application, and, that, and therefore we want to re re um, reserve that right. What, what tends to happen with this is they, the, the material that comes in has to be certified clean, and therefore there is a process where they, as the applicant, would have to go through that, and that would become part, I don't know whether building control would look at it, but yeah, we have a way of monitoring that, I think. I mean, it's, 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 it's a certified, sorry, Mad knows more about this than I do, but it's a certified process which is done in another place, and therefore it's not for planning conditions to duplicate that. But simply to get the word clean, you have to go for a process to do that, and that is done somewhere else. Sorry, I appreciate that, but ultimately what I'd like to see is that, yes, it's certified, this is wonderful, and the final arbiter is the, is, the, is the granting authority, which is ourselves. So I'd like to think that those certificates are provided to us as a planning authority. So we retain the right, because we've effectively granted the application. We don't want to leave, this control becomes loose and someone else is responsible, pointing fingers to other people. As part of the, um, the, the environment actually would um, assess whether they need a permit to do this work um, and they will have to submit lots of information to the environment agency to, to um, show whether a permit is needed or not. Um, and that is why it's been delayed. It's been going on since June last year. Um, because originally the applicant wanted to self-certify on the site through the DALCAP uh, method. And um, the Environment Agency didn't come back through um, staffing levels and things like that. And they finally have come back and they've agreed that this was an acceptable method of doing it. They wouldn't accept the self-certify certification. Um, through the Dow cap and there has been lots of discussions about whether that was acceptable or not and so they've come up with this condition which would mean that the applicant would have to liaise with the environment agency as to whether a permit is required or not. Mr Brown. I'm picking up, trying to pick up Councillor Fairhurst's point. You're satisfied all that wants to happen but you want some sort of come back to us so maybe I don't know, please tell me if this can't be done, Mad. You could put at the end saying within, you know, all certifications from the Environment Agency shall be copied to the Local Planning Authority um, within 14 days of that occurring. And I think we could do that, but all it means is we're going to end up, we'll end up, it'll be there. <laughs> okay. Would, uh, would, so can I just check with Mad, would that work? I, I don't know how the permit, yeah. to be honest, I don't know how yeah. the environmental permit system works. Um, I know that they okay. well, to move need it forward, to discuss it with the environment agency. To move that forward, we'll try putting that condition in and, and taking it from there. Yeah, we're going to put it in the there. The worst case scenario is we would end up putting a referral to the environment agency to have to copy stuff to us as well. So I prefer to put the onus on the applicants, but the worst case scenario is the environment agency will have to do Okay, Councillor Freeman, did you want point. to speak? Yes, thank you. Um, one concern of mine uh, is if you go to the top of page 101, uh, is the actual quantity of material that's being moved. It's uh, at least 35,000 cubic metres. 
which if you manage to get 35 cubic meters into a single truck, and that would be a very big truck, then you're looking at 1,000 truck journeys. And that would have an impact on the people that live near there. I mean, obviously it has an impact on people between the source and the golf course. We need to manage that in some way. A thousand trucks, probably more, is an awful lot. Uh, and in fact, on page 99, section 2.1, it says there are residential properties to the west of the access road. So I think they need, their way of life needs to be protected. Now, I'm happy to take guidance on what this should be, but summarily agreeing to a thousand trucks at least, probably more, going past people's doors over quite a long period is significant. Big trucks too. Um, there were um, conditions attached to the actual permission, um, the original permission, um, to, in relation to that, and they, they've submitted all details um, for those conditions to be discharged. Um, they had to submit, sorry, I've got to go back. Um, yeah, that was all dealt with at the planning permission originally, so it isn't going to actually change much compared to what was already previously approved. Um, they had to submit a construction method statement, which they did and has been discharged. Um, but they've done the construction with the materials available. They now need 35,000 cubic metres of more material, which has to be brought into the site somehow. The, the increase, the, the, the soil that's, the waste that's got to come onto site hasn't changed at all to what's been approved. It's exactly the same. All that's changed is the source, because it was coming from one point A to point B, and knowing where Trisales is, that would have just been a quick run. But, uh, so the same amount of stuff is going to be coming onto the site, it's just where it's come from is going to be slightly better. That's right, that's correct. Okay, uh, Councillor Wells. I'm quite content to propose. Okay, I have a proposer. Does this find a seconder? Councillor Lodge seconding. All those in favour, please show. That's unanimous. Okay, item approved. Moving on. UTT 17, 2387, full application in Hannam, Thatch End. Mr. Theobald, again. Thank you, Chair. This application relates to the demolition of an existing garage and the proposed erection of a single bedroom dwelling at the end of the row uh, in the heart of Henham, which is off Star Road, which in turn is off the High Street. Now, uh, this application um, has had a revision to it during its journey uh, to the extent that the um, original proposed replacement garage for this uh, single dwelling scheme has now been removed from the proposal by the applicant following the initial um, appraisal of this scheme by the council's conservation officer. 
where she was prepared to accept the principle of a small single dwelling on this site, which would be subject to um, smaller proportions in terms of footprint to the original scheme that was put in for this site by a planning application which was subsequently withdrawn. And the, the garage uh, was one element of the proposal which the conservation officer could not support. It was suggested that the garage be modified in its design and profiling, but because of the, the prominence of that uh, structure, uh, the applicant, as I say, has now chosen to uh, remove this element of the scheme. So what we have now before you is the single dwelling with uh, curtilage and uh, two car parking spaces, principally one for the, uh, the applicant, for the occupant, and a second one which would be um, for the applicant's own parking um, who lives opposite the site. Just some housekeeping on this. Um, the revised drawing um, has been subject to further uh, neighbour notification and consultation. Um, that was a process which we felt ought to be carried out in view of the uh, large amount of um, local uh, public interest in this particular application. Uh, that in itself has generated another 20 uh, representations from local residents. Uh, it would be fair to say that um, all of the representations received from third parties, um, namely neighbours and other residents, are against this proposal, uh, with the exception of one. Um, now, the conservation officer has been consulted again on the revised drawing. There isn't currently, well it might be on by now, uh, the conservation officer's updated written comments on this proposal. I'm aware that there may have been some concern that uh, the conservation officer wasn't reconsulted on this revised drawing. I can confirm that the conservation officer, Barbara Bosworth, has been reconsulted and I actually have the comments uh, in formalised uh, fashion uh, which I can read out to you. Uh, we've also received a further representation, a detailed planning submission from Jeff Gardner Planning on, in, uh, in um, a request of the Henham Parish Council to do so, uh, which essentially reiterates the previous comments made concerning this scheme, but uh, refreshed to really take into account the revised details. Now, the proposal is for, as I say, a single dwelling scheme. The principle of the uh, building of this site in terms of the wider sustainability principles is considered acceptable in terms of its location, which is in the nucleus of the Henham uh, settlement, albeit that the site is outside of the two building envelopes of Henham. The sustainability, as prescribed by the NPPF, has to be taken in the round. So three elements of that sustainability test, which are social, economic, and environmental, have been assessed together. And as part of the environmental assessment, 
um, it is a requirement uh, of the local authority to assess the impact of this scheme on heritage uh, as to whether or not it would be truly sustainable. Now, the other issues which have been considered um, are on the um, amenity of this for the occupant, so therefore the usual standards to do with a private amenity space for the private sitting out area. Now, you can see from this plan here that the, the red line of the site equates to uh, some 200 square metres, uh, but there is a separate private sitting out area for this one bedroom dwelling which um, equates to um, forty five square meters, which is in in effect uh, slightly above what the Essex design guide recommends for a single dwelling scheme. There will be two parking spaces, as I said, in lieu of the garage to be demolished. In terms of other issues, um, overlooking is not considered uh, in this particular single-storey scheme. Therefore, um, if I read to you the conclusions as set out in the report, they are as follows. The proposal would amount to presumption in favour of sustainable development in terms of location. The development would preserve the character and appearance of the conservation area and would lead to less than substantial harm to the significance of the adjacent designated heritage assets and would meet, therefore, the environmental strand of the MPPF. There would be no material change in present access arrangements. Living standards for the occupants of the new dwelling would be met. Parking standards would be met. Impacts on adjacent residential amenity would not be significant and there would be no impact on protected species. Just to read uh, for the uh, benefit of members, uh, the updated conservation officer comments, and they are as follows. The following comments relate to a revised scheme consisting of a single-storey small residential unit with steeply pitched roof. Following further negotiation, the proportions of the dwelling have been reduced and relocated further away from the row of thatched cottages. Also, the excessively large new dwelling uh, garage has been omitted from the scheme. In conclusion and on balance, I feel that the formation of this diminutive structure would follow the established pattern of quite tightly knit residential area, whilst the removal of most of the unsightly range of garages would improve the setting of the listed buildings in the vicinity and the character of the conservation area. Consequently, should there be no planning objections, I recommend approval subject to conditions. And just finally, for members' benefit, uh, this is the site and surroundings. This is the row looking uh, west from the site and further along, so you can see the fairly um, tight-knit grain of dwellings. This is looking uh, back to the site from the, uh, the west along the row. Uh, this is looking across the site, back west. Uh, as you can see, this is the condition of the plot of land, which at the moment goes with uh, uh, thatch um, end. This is thatch end itself, looking across. 
This is the end of Star Road, showing the, uh, the garages which are in possession of the applicant, together with another one which you can't see. That large um, conifer he, uh, tree, I understand, will be removed as part of the proposal. Area in front of the garage, uh, I understand, is not within the applicant's ownership or control, but within the, uh, the control of the parish council at present. This is looking straight down uh, the road from the east end of this uh, uh, footpath, public footpath, and you can see the, the land on the right-hand side. And again, another general shot diagonally across to the adjacent dwelling. <coughs> another shot, and that is it. So therefore, Chairman, this application as it stands with the revised drawing and revised comments on the conservation officer is recommended for approval. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Theobald. Um, we have a couple of speakers on this, uh, so I'll start with uh, Sue Mott, who is a supporter. And Councillor Fairhurst first. Thank you, Mr Chairman. This is not how we do it. I'm upset. This is a lot to read. We're supposed to do this professionally. I understand we've been given it late. This is a complex process, and we, and we haven't even got to conservation officer's latest reports. I'm, I'm, I'm calling for a deferment right here, rather than wasting everyone's time, because I'm not in a position to make a decision here. No, agreed. Does that find a seconder? It does. Okay. Can I just suggest we visit? Can I suggest? Can I also suggest, if you're deferring it, that we visit the site? I was about to make, make that comment. It is, it, it is important that we, that we see this site. It, it's very difficult. It's very sensitive. I'm amazed. I was going to make the same point. Um, and also, can I make for the fifth time in the last year the point that we should have the conservation officer here? Could we, could we please make sure that happens for the, for the, next, uh, the next meeting? I have, I have a proposer and a seconder for a deferral. Does that find agreement with everybody? Those in favour of deferral, please show. One, two, three, four. Those against the deferral, please show. One, two, three. Okay. Those oh, four. Okay. No, I was going to abstain, actually. <laughs> okay. <coughs> I have four, four, and four against, and two abstaining. I know oh, it's coming back to me. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll defer this, and we'll come back to it. And my apologies to everybody that's in the room that has waited for this. Um, I think it's probably more important we visit it. Can I just clarify the issue regarding the conservation officers? It is not irregular for us to carry out an application and reconsult with people and to report things verbally. Don't forget, the beginning of Clive's suggestion, he also reported that we received comments from neighbours as well. The conservation officer does not have to be here. She has made her comments, and that is her comments, and is on the basis of that. It may be a definition when you're talking about a listed building application, actual works to a listed building, but it is a conservation officer's comments on an application, and that is a planning decision, which is, which is us around the table here now. So it is not absolutely necessary for the conservation officer to be here. It all's be, it's all been a bit last minute, and I appreciate that, and it may be within the sub-reps would have been better, but um, that's where we are. It's been deferred for a site visit. <coughs> My apologies. We'll be deferred till the next planning meeting, which is the... Uh, four weeks from today. 
That's the easy way to answer to that. I'm sorry, and I do apologise to the people that have waited on this, but uh, it's probably better we go and see this, given the uh, sensitive nature of the location. Uh, okay, with that, Mr Theobald, you're relieved. <laughs> Proceeding to UTT 180188, outline planning, Mr Tyler will take us through it. Mr. Tyler, when you're ready. Thank you, Chairman. The application site is to the rear of the dwellings of uh, Wendon's Vineyard and Holly Hedge in the village of Dunno End. The site comprises of a domestic detached outbuilding and paddock areas located to the south of Woodman's End, which is to the, to the south of the site outlined in red. The first photo shows the existing outbuilding on the site for the uh, benefits of the members here. Uh, this is the adjacent uh, paddock area within the site. The site currently has outline planning permission for two single-storey dwellings. The first was granted by planning permission on the 2nd of December 2016 and includes existing site access to the side of the site, which is outlined in red. Uh, the second dwelling was allowed at a planning appeal on the 17th of October 2017 and includes the access between the site of Holly Hedge and stepping stones. That's shown outlined in red. This application seeks outline planning permission with all matters reserved except for access for the demolition of the existing outbuilding, the erection of two single-storey dwellings and garages. This uh, amends the previous planning application that now utilises one access point through the properties of Holly Hedge and stepping stones as shown on the plan. The Parish Council has made an objection and considers the proposal to be backland development and is contrary to local plan policy S7 and the MPPF. There's been 15 letters of objection from neighbouring properties and one neutral letter of comments received. Uh, the comments include uh, the new access is not safe. No parking is included for the host dwelling of Holly Hedge. The proposal will set out a precedent for future development within the area. The proposal will result in an impact to the character and setting of the site and its surroundings. There will be further traffic within the area. Um, there's no transport links within the, the area and it's not a sustainable location. One of the main considerations of the proposal is the previously approved development of the site for the two individual dwellings. 
of which this application seeks to amend. Having regard to this, I consider the site to be a sustainable location in character with the surrounding area and will not ad have an inf uh, adverse impact on the open countryside. In regards to access, the Highways Authority has been consulted. No objections have been received in regard to highway safety. Also, there's sufficient car parking for the host dwelling to the front of the site, as shown uh, on the plan here. Uh, the use of the access for two dwellings is not considered a significant increase that will result in a harmful impact to neighbouring properties in regard to noise and disturbance. No objections have been received from Essex County Council ecologists in regards to protected species or biodiversity. Uh, a condition is recommended by Uttlesford Environmental Health in regards to fowl and surface water, and this should be imposed if approved. As such, taking into consideration uh, and the previously approved development of the site, uh, it's considered the proposal is in accordance with Uttlesford local plan policies and the MPPF, and therefore recommended for approval subject to conditions. <coughs> Thank you, Mr Tyler. Okay, we have one speaker, the applicant, Mr Hesseltine. You have three minutes, sir. Okay, it shouldn't take that long. It should be uh, quite quick. Um, the reason I had wished to address the committee is that this has been called in due to overdevelopment of the site and result in planning precedent, but this is not what this application represents. I purely wish to reiterate from Mr Tyler's planning officer has submitted in his report 12-2 that these two new homes to be built have already been passed and all we're seeking to do with this application is to apply for access only to serve both properties and would ask the committee that they consider this application for access has already been approved, or the, sorry, the application for this for the access. This, this access has already been approved by highways. There are a number of multiple access driveways already in Woodman's Lane, Duddenhoe End. These being Brooks's, which serves four, Wendham Vineyard serving two, Meadowgate serving two, and Meadows that did serve three, although one just had new access approved. Um, don't wish to obviously to repeat everything again because it's time and time, but this is purely for access for both properties, and none of the objections have any relevance to what is actually being applied for. Um, trust this actually qualifies the situation that if this application is approved, it will enable the reserve matters, i.e. detailed design and planning, to be considered and include wherever possible the previously raised objections. This can already be seen by the revised indicative plan accompanying this application by the position of the proposed dwelling shown. So it's a short and sweet access only and we want to obviously just to have this approved the access so that when the detailed design comes out, it can encompass as many objections as possible. Thank, Thank you, Mr. Hesseton. Thank you. Okay, we have no other speakers. If you'd like to take your seat again. You can join the committee if you like. I could do with some new Yeah, I can answer questions. <laughs> uh, okay, over to you, members. Councillor Chambers and Councillor Wells. Uh, Mr Chairman, I, I called in this because I was um, genuinely concerned. I mean, there is concern from the Parish Council. There have been a lot of representations you've noted from a small area. 
but I, I called it in because if you look at the map on here, originally the... No, the other one, Mr. Tyler. <coughs> keep it back to where it was. That's right. If you look at this one here, you'll see at the bottom there is Wendon Vineyard. Now, when the first one was given permission, the access was to be passed uh, the, from the road down to Wendon Vineyard and round to the house. Passed on appeal. The second one put in for an application, passed on appeal. If you look at what the inspector says, you've been talking a lot this afternoon about sustainability and access. Sorry, sustainability and access. He says in his report, when he allowed it, that the, the, uh, in Dudnoin here, it was close to the playing fields, half the size of this room, close to the commercial part of Dudnoin, which is, well, I wouldn't exactly call it commercial. I presumed he was talking about somewhere a mile away. Uh, but most importantly, not far from the pub. The pub closed 30 years ago. Does it give you some reason to believe that he didn't even bother to look at this, did he? Or she? It just, it just seems ridiculous. But what I would like you to do is, and if the committee were to be agreeable, is to defer it and have a site meeting, and you'll see exactly what I mean about the two access. Please. Does that find you're, you're going to, okay. Uh, I, and I have a seconder for a deferral. All those in favour of deferral, please show. Right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. So uh, those against? One, two, three. Uh, okay, we're, we're going there next time as well. <coughs> okay. Again, my apologies to everybody. We'll be coming out to have a look at the actual site and it will be on the agenda in four weeks' time. UTT 180425, Eagle Road Club. Mr Alana to take us through it. When you're ready, Mr Alana. Thank you, Chair. This is the application site marked in the red boundary. Um, if members can remember during our site visit, we have an existing um, public house here called Checkers, where my arrow is, and here we have an existing residential settlements, although we are able to see, but when we are standing there, we are able to see some of those settlement area. And also, if members could also Remember, I can just direct, just by the car park of the checkers, members must have noted it's an absolute an eyesore at the moment, uh, you know, dumped with cars and all that. I will make a point about that and how this development will help to influence and soften the whole visual area. Having said that, the application before you, Chair, is, the, is a will involve demolition of an existing clubhouse 
which is within the site that you saw this morning, and the outbuilding in order to erect two number of four-bed detached property, respectively. This is the application site here. You could see at the moment, in order to enable this development to take place and to blend with the character of the area, the applicant has introduced huge landscaping to screen the site in order to contain the two proposed dwellings. But having said that, um, no, no, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to emphasize on why I'm showing you this slide. It's a history of the site, Councillor. Uh, if I take my mind back, planning permission was granted for one dwelling. Why I brought this is to enable you to navigate yourself to the current proposal. This one dwelling has been permitted on delegated power but not implemented. Uh, the reason I brought that is when I navigate you to the current application for you to see the current footprint. So this is the application that was uh, granted uh, planning permission, not implemented. Here we are today. Why I established that background, I'm trying to plant something into your mind to know why, in principle, two residential dwellings can be contained within this site. In order to pursue that, this applic the, the applicant has already decided to screen this site. You must have noticed at the moment the site is well tucked in. You can't see it on both sides. Just by that side, there are some trees losing their leaves due to the season we are at the moment. But this application will reinforce the existing trees, plant more trees, and introduce more hedgerows. These are the location of the two dwellings. If you remember why I introduced the planning history of the former application, the approved one dwelling is somewhere situated here. Now, this current application will comprise of four beds, respectively. Plus one, we have roughly 500 square meters amenity space, i.e. Gray Garden. The second plot will comprise of 1,700 square, several and something square meters of rear amenity space. In terms of the access, here, it will be from the same access approved during the first application I showed to you in terms of the planning history. The difference here is that the details of the access will be widened. The traffic engineer said that there should be 5.5 meter wide of the private drive with a six meter setback from the uh, uh, highway. This is the proposed uh, uh, layout of the application site. And this is the elevation. Now, in terms of height, the, the check is, is roughly 8.3 meters high, given the topography of the location of this, uh, the, the checkers. The proposed dwelling I've just shown to you, the two respective dwellings will given their own topography as well, respectively, will be roughly 7.3 meters high. Therefore, in your planning officer's opinion, it's not going to dominate the setting of the listed building, coupled with the far, given the nature of the derelict site on the other side of the checkers, and the introduction of a hard, soft landscaping, this scheme will be contained and helped. 
to enhance the character of the area. In terms of amenity, the proximity of these two dwellings will not harm any living condition of any adjoining occupiers. Overall, in terms of parking as well, the, the elevation that I've already showed you will have an integration of uh, double garage respectively, and each of those dwellings will have a sufficient extra car parking spaces on the front drive. During the site inspection, I did show to members that this site is within a very sustainable location. It's opposite a bus stop. There is uh, a nearby local infrastructure, i.e. village hall, not too far away from nearby school, and it's not too far away from Bishop Stortford Shopping Center, and so on and so forth. Therefore, on balance, this application, in principle, is acceptable. It's not going to lead to overdevelopment of the site. Given the condition recommended, I hereby recommend it for approval. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Mr. Alana. We have one speaker, Mr. Tedder. Three minutes, please. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Nigel Tedder of Go Planning, and I represent the applicant, Mr. Steve Withers. The application is for two number four bedroom dwellings on Brownfield land, being the former Eagle Cycling Clubhouse, Cambridge Road, Ugly. The proposals follow pre-application discussions following the granting of planning permission for a large detached dwelling on the site. These discussions suggested that further applications for increasing the density of the site to perhaps four or five dwellings would be considered overdevelopment and potentially harmful to the adjacent countryside. It was, however, felt that a modest increase to two number four bedroom dwellings in a traditional form would be improved use for a one acre site. With two dwellings to the acre representing a more sustainable form of development. This is a particular low density and should not be considered overdevelopment of the site. Each dwelling has both a double garage and double driveway along with a good sized south facing rear garden. The separation distances to the grade two listed building to the north, the checkers, have been increased while the ridge levels for the dwellings are no higher than the existing permission. It is noted that a number of local objectors refer to a 1946 covenant on the land. However, this is not considered a planning matter that should have any influence on the application before you. No objection has been made by highways or indeed any other statutory consultee. The design approach for the two dwellings is considered appropriate for the site and will not impact on the rural surroundings. The application site, whilst adjacent to the checkers, being a grade two listed building, is not very close to the building itself and would be well screened with new landscaping. This ensures the proposals would not be harmful to the listed building or its setting. In summary, the proposals for two number dwellings are not considered overdevelopment and the design approach ensures the proposals would not affect the setting of the nearby listed building. The proposals represent effective use of the site and are considered to be sustainable development. I would ask that members support this application. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Tedder. Okay, we have no other speakers, so it's over to you, committee. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst and Councillor Lachlan. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. There seem to be two issues we saw today. I, I, I must personally, I thought the design was rather nice. 
and it seemed to, to tie in rather nicely with, with, with the ugly checkers. But there are two conditions I do have here. The first is that once again we have this ubiquitous sort of um, uh, county council highways authority, no objection. Um, that's fine, they're entitled to say, and we have to abide by that. But why can't we ask, please, can we in future please get some more detail on that? Because that is a fast road. We're going to put all sorts of ornamental trees and things in there. And that entrance is going to be obscure. You can dig five meters or six meters, it's going to be a problem. And I'd like a highways person to apply his mind or her mind to the process and come back with why they find no objections. Just signing with no objections doesn't help me at all here. The second thing, which is, concerns me a little bit more, is our illustrious uh, conservation officer, who we all respect so much. Um, this is about a listed building and about um, uh, and how this site may affect that listed building. And I understand she isn't, isn't obliged to make a comment on this non-conservation area, but I feel much more comfortable if I had a small paragraph saying, yes, I've seen the site, I've been advised of it, and I feel comfortable because, it's, as we said, the design is lovely, but is it in keeping with I like someone with some knowledge more than mine to, to tell me that it's fine, if you don't mind. Thank you. Okay, your point noted. Uh, Mr. Brown, just first. Sorry. On the first point, on the highways issues, yeah, we did get, have a run of them going no objections before. They don't just always say no objections. We, we, I like to some thinking behind the process. So even if you, it is a fast road, there is some logic in terms of where they've gone. I'm actually meeting highways next week, and so I will raise that with them in terms of some of their comments. Can they put some commentary behind it? The conservation officers issue. Um, Officers have made, have made a judgment that this property does not have an impact on the list of, doesn't, the setting of the list of building is not affected by this. So planners have, the planning officers, and I, and I support the planning officers' view on this one, doesn't feel it is necessary to seek the views of the conservation officers. That is a planning decision. So obviously that's, if, if members are, if, if the planning committee is of the view that it affects the list of building, then that's something that we can make as a consideration. But in the officer's judgment, uh, Manuel's quite right. You've got the site, then you've got the gap, then you've got the listed building. And there's suitably not just the distance, there's something between the two. So we're of the view that it, it doesn't have an impact on the listed building that needs to be assessed. Councillor Lachlan. Uh, thank you. Well, I'm yet to come across an application where Essex Highways actually do object. Um, but uh, this, this part of the road is very narrow. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, but that's actually true, Mr. Brown. Yeah. Um, it, it is a narrow part of the road there, and it's also very busy, and I took great note of that this morning, and I know that road very well. Uh, but going back to highways, I actually did, and I'm not going to mention an application, but I actually did phone them up once and ask them how they came to that conclusion, and I asked them if they'd come to see the site, and they said they hadn't. So could we have some reassurance when you see them next week that they just that they actually do come and visit a site before they uh, make their recommendation because I don't believe they actually always do they go by officers reports and, uh, and I think that's very important and I also um, and that would be my objection um, the other thing is and I know it isn't uh, anything to do with planning but there is a covenant on that land it is a civil issue and if that were to be enforced um, could you explain uh, to people that may be listening to this recording, because we might know, but they don't, uh, what that covenant would mean? Does it mean that, that would, if the, that was invoked, because there is uh, a covenant saying that only one house can be built on that site legally, 
and it exists, and I know the person who actually owns that covenant. So um, could you please uh, let us know more information about that? Could that prevent that house being built? I don't know, and to be honest with you, I really not of any concern for me whatsoever. I do not know the details of the covenant. It could mean anything, but it has no status in planning whatsoever. No, planning no, doesn't, it doesn't have any... doesn't trump it. No. I should add, planning does not trump that issue. So planning permission was granted today. The covenant is still there. Um, but uh, the covenant, well, that's subject to the status of what the covenant actually says. And maybe Elizabeth okay. could, could if, if, if there's any more clarification, Elizabeth, maybe. Okay. Does anybody else have any comments? I'm happy to propose this uh, from the chair. Elizabeth's going to speak first. Okay. If I could give some uh, clarification between the interplay between planning permission and private law covenants. Basically, Mr. Brown is quite right. They are not a planning consideration. The problem, the problem is that very often, and there's no way of saying this tactfully, so I won't, very often people use the planning process in the hope that it'll uh, provide a free means of enforcing a civil law covenant. It doesn't, but that is a perception in the minds of the public at large. However, having said that, if a planning permission is granted and the person with the benefit of the civil law covenant then decides to put his or her hand in their pocket to take proceedings to enforce that covenant, then it can frustrate a planning permission. I hope that's of some assistance. Okay, thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, I'm happy to propose from the chair. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Fairhurst. We have a proposal and a seconder. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nope. eight, nine. Nine in favour and Councillor Lachlan? Again. Against. Okay, nine, four, one against. That item is approved. Thank you, Mr. Alana. New World Timber, UTT 180313, full application. Luke Mills. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located off London Road in Great Chesterford, where development has commenced in accordance with a planning permission for 42 dwellings. The proposal is to make minor amendments to the approved site layout, the most significant of which being the formation of some rear access paths at the expense of a small amount of private amenity space. I'll just show you here on this slide with the cursor. Um, examples of this, uh, these properties down here, I know it's quite small and not necessarily easy to see, um, but we've got these properties here that now then have like a rear access path that comes around here, whereas previously the gardens at the middle of the terrace didn't have rear access. Since the report was published, <coughs> it has been identified that two additional parking spaces and a slight enlargement of Plot 13's garden are required to match the approved scheme. With this in mind, a condition is recommended to secure one parking space in the parking court uh, at the bottom of the site just here. So there's actually a space for a parking bay just there that we would seek to get inserted. 
and another in front of plot 12. Again, I know it's all very small, not very easy to see here, but there'd be space for the parking space just here as well. So that would bring the parking provision back up to the same level as has already been approved. Um, and plot 13's garden is over here. It's this one here. And it's just a bit on the small side at 38 square meters where the requirement is actually for 50. Um, and we can get the same level of provision as was achieved with the approved scheme by shifting this boundary fence just over slightly so that it lines up with the middle uh, party wall between plot 13 and plot 14. Members will be aware of a late representation which was received yesterday and sent directly to them. Uh, between my report and the additional condition I've just described, it is considered that all relevant issues have been addressed. It is therefore recommended that the application be approved. Thank you, uh, Mr. Mills. Uh, Joanna Francis. Thanks for your patience, Joanna. You have three minutes. Thank you for allowing me to speak. I'm a resident of Great Chesterford and I supported the application submitted in 2014 and approved. This application, if taken at face value, looks like just minor amendments. However, as explained in my email earlier this week, this is simply not the case. If you approve this application, you will be changing garages that were not approved for parking in 2014 into parking provision. This is relevant to the application coming to committee in May to increase the number of dwellings. These garages were intended for bins and storage. They are only 5 by 2.8 metres. You will be approving a layout where nearly all the parking is in one rear corner of the site leading to on-street parking. You will be allowing the removal of approved locations of waste and recycling bins and secure cycle storage with no new, lo new locations being shown. You will be allowing significant reductions in the sizes of various plots that will affect the amenity of the new residents, something you have already specifically refused on this site in application UTT 172334. Uh, I ask the committee to please refuse this application. Thank you, Joanna. Um, Mr. Jackson, the applicant. Afternoon. You all. have three minutes. Thank you. Uh, afternoon. I'm Chris Jackson, the acquisition surveyor for Enterprise Property Group. We're a local developer who is committed to providing good quality schemes across this region. We have a long history of residential schemes within Uttlesford, including two others within Great Chesterford itself. We purchased the application site with the benefit of full planning permission back in January 2017. However, upon review, it became evident that there were a number of anomalies within the approved documents which either conflicted with other approved drawings or produced what we felt was poor design. Following the refusal of our application in November 17, in which we sought to address these anomalies, along with a couple of potential more contentious proposals, we met with the local authority to rationalise these amendments and agreed a strategy to move forward. The planning officer advised that the anomalies within the buildings themselves, including the elevation or detailing, could be dealt with under a non-material amendment. This was submitted in February 2018 and approved the following month. Our attention has now moved to the external anomalies in today's application. The planning officer advised that the submitted amendments would have to be dealt with by a section 73 application, which is what is before you. 
We feel it is important to note that at this point we do not, sorry, we do have a live application to convert the roof space of the apartment blocks and provide additional units on this brownfield site. However, this application should not be confused with what we are seeking from you today. Today's approval will allow the scheme to be delivered to a higher design standard and provide a more usable environment for the future residents. If approved, the changes will not have a commercial impact for us. They will, however, allow the future residents to access their rear gardens via footpaths, opposed to through their living rooms, access par parking bays, again, via their rear gardens, and in some situations, allow wheelie bins to be pulled out without having to move cars. We acknowledged, as reported by the planning officer, that these changes will require some compromise on amenity space, but our view is that such compromise is appropriate for the improvements that they bring to the scheme. We are, proud of, we are proud to be delivering this scheme and are very pleased to now have the show home open, which we believe shows the quality of the design and finish that we mentioned before. We invite councillors to visit the show house if they would be interested to do so. In the meantime, we hope that members see the logic in what today's submission is seeking and that it does not become confused with our other application. Um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you, Mr. Jackson. I'll take Councillor Lachlan, then Fairhurst and Freeman. Thank you. Ah. Um, well, I've noticed uh, that six gardens are going to be reduced in size, quite, quite considerable reduction, and um, it is said that it's a, a reasonable space. Well, I think that's just one person's opinion, and another person may say that isn't reasonable. But I'd like to ask, and I think I already know the answer to this, are the gardens, the six gardens, that are going to be reduced social housing? Uh, just bear with me a moment just to check that. Uh, Right. Uh, plots one and two, which are shown in the schedule there as having reduced garden sizes, they are affordable units. Uh, the others, so 25, 26, 29 and 32, are not affordable units. They're market dwellings. Sorry, no, no. So we have one, two, three. We've got four two beds that are actually market dwellings. Because when I asked you this yesterday, you said they were social housing. And I just wanted to bring it up today, just, you know, so they could get into the public. Uh -uh, I think you did. But we'll, we won't argue. So you're actually telling me that only two of the houses sizes that are going to be reduced are social housing or low-cost low homes, and the rest are market housing. Uh, yes, from that table there, and then there was just one other that I mentioned in my presentation about garden, uh, the garden for plot number 13. So that's something that we've noticed since the report was published. That one is also, that's an affordable unit as well, and that's the one where it's uh, at 38 square metres at the moment, where the standard is 50, but that can be enlarged back up to 46 square metres with the um, amendment that I mentioned. Right. 
Yeah, so which sorry. is the same as is approved. Okay, so the market housing, are they affordable homes? Market affordable homes? No, I'm not talking social housing in as much as sort of a housing association or something like that. Are they low cost homes? That's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head, I'm afraid, which, whether they're affordable rented or shared ownership, because uh, there is a split across the site. But what I can tell you is that those dwellings are, so plots one and two from that table that I mentioned, plus plot 13 that I've also mentioned, are affordable units. So that means either affordable rented or shared ownership. But I can't confirm which is which out of those. And then the other four in that table are market dwellings. Okay, uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. We see some really tricky applications today, and I'm pleased to say this is not one of them. This is very straightforward. We're being made fools of here. We don't comply with the Essex Tower Guide, but we take it as a guidance. And we look at 100 square metres and 50 square metres and say these are, the, these are the minimums below which we don't go. It's not rocket science. We made compromises here in 1992 and 52. We were being nice. Can't imagine why. I'm not in a nice mood now. This is ridiculous. Moving from 90 to 74, I can concede that there may be affordable housing taking a bunch here, but this is an easy decision. If we have guidelines, if we have minimums, you have benchmarks, we set these as minimums, why would, we, why would we go below those figures? It doesn't make any sense to us. Why are we here? I'm, I strongly propose now we reject this. Thank you. Okay. Uh, is that a proposal for rejection? Okay. I'll take Councillor Freeman. I'll Hang on, I'll come back to you. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I'm broadly in agreement with Councillor Fairhurst on this because the point is <clears throat> people, and the key thing here is not having to drag, we're doing this so people don't have to drag wheelie bins through their house. Well, the point is these are modern dwellings and you design them so you can store wheelie bins and get them out because that's what we use in Uttersford. Now, <clears throat> I live in the conservation area in Sutton Warden in Museum Street, and there are people with wheelie bins who do bring them to their houses, but those houses are 200 years old. They've chosen to have wheelie bins because they're convenient and they're useful. Uh, <clears throat> but with modern houses, ones that are being built now, being built out now, there's no excuse. Cycle stores, all of this, they should be there as standard. And if the developer can't do it, and it is however many units, it's uh, 42, then the answer is very simply, you build less than 42 units, and you space the other ones out a bit. You don't come around here saying, look, we're going to trim this off here, we're going to put a parking space over there. This garage, or it was a cycle store, but it's not going to be now, whatever. That is just disingenuous in my view. We're in the 21st century, we build houses that are fit for purpose. Uh, we don't have to say, well, we're going to drag. This is to avoid people having to accommodate the fact that we didn't build them right in the first place. Let's build them right. So I'm in favour of turning this down. <coughs> Mr Brown. <coughs> Members, the, the heart of all this is the MPPF. We have a duty to deliver houses. Oh, yeah. And that, this developer did, was not <coughs> the developer that got planning permission for this particular site. It's absolutely relevant. That is why this developer, who is delivering houses, and he's actually delivering houses in the village, on the other end of the village, wishes to pick... And it is, 
this is the reason why this developer has picked up this site and has acquired a development that's done on some other some other developers palette and they and you know and as a result of that there are some minor changes on this particular development and part of that development is requiring these properties to have rear accesses which is the bin issue that's the fact if you said no to this case now these houses will still be built but they will be substandard because they won't be able to get the accesses around the back and we are shaving off pieces of garden they are still slightly below standard but there is an opportunity for some of those properties that were smaller to have bigger gardens and that is what we are doing here and you know we have an obligation as a as a, as a planning team as a planning authority to deliver houses and this developer is doing that and this is just an opportunity to do some changes to make this happen and i don't think they should be criticized for the previous scheme that was approved <coughs> councillor lachlan well i think it's for this committee which is the, the the body that decides whether we will accept something whether if we don't think it's right then we have a right to say that we don't think it's right okay uh, <laughs> councillor lodge and then Sorry. councillor fairhurst um, Halving from 72 square metres, which is a tiny garden, to 36 is not shaving off a bit. It's a, it's a, it's a major amendment to it. This, um, um, I, I do think that uh, this was from a previous developer, is irrelevant. The, the current developer bought this in the knowledge of what he was buying. And to make this a viable scheme, we do actually need to cut down the number of units. Now, that's down to the developer whether he wants to do it. But I'm to to totally against making uh, this amendment when, when the, the, the process hasn't been carried through properly. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I want to stand in support of, of, of Nigel Brown here because I think he's absolutely right. His wisdom is valued. Um, we are here to build houses and we're doing the best we can. I think we must make every effort to be robust in our process. And I suspect that that may be why we did previously look at numbers which are slightly below our numbers, but not at any cost. And I would suggest here we've fallen below that, that standard, and I think in this case I can't retract. I still propose we reject. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, yeah, not on my watch comes to mind. Uh, the original consent was in 2014. I wasn't on this committee then. Uh, I do recall, I think, and I'm happy to be corrected on this, but I do recall, I think, that the developer came back here on this site, current developer, wanting to put an extra floor on two of those units. Uh, and we said, well, under current legislation, they would then have to have lifts. And they said, well, all right, whatever. That did not go ahead. Of course, under current legislation, they would now have to have lifts if you came forward with a three-story dwelling. Uh, in 2014, they did not. But the point is, if you're going to bring it back to us in 2018, then it would be dealt with according to 2018 situations. And the fact that the developer didn't go and build them in 2014 is not our problem. That's the government's problem for allowing them to get away with it. As far as we're concerned, we have to answer to a local electorate, and it's a question of doing it right or not doing it at all, in my view. Okay, I have a proposal for rejection. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Lachlan is seconding that. I need to know the conditions for that refusal. Is it Gen 2 design? It would be Gen 2 design. And you're obviously talking Gen 2 design regarding amenity spaces. An amenity space. Yep. 
on that basis, we'll go to a vote. I have a proposer and a... wish to say something, Mr Chairman, in that um, we've spoken about this application on various different occasions. It's come up more than once. We have had um, objections from the, the Parish Council, quite valid objections, I, I believe, and it does appear to me now, I can understand what you're saying about changing the developer, but you've got to think about also the quality of living these people have got when they move into their homes. Now, some people want a large garden and some people want a small garden and some people don't want a garden at all. Whatever you do, you're not going to please everybody. But if somebody doesn't like a garden, they can lay it down to lawn or pavement, do nothing else with it at all. Somebody else who wants to grow a few vegetables, they can put vegetables in and eat them themselves. They can do what they like with their own property. And it does seem to me that, that we are going off track a bit now. We should be going back to the developer and saying, we're not happy with what you're doing. Please, can you come up with a better scheme? Surely that is possible. We've had so many things on this with this, this uh, timber world that uh, it just appears to me that there must be something, there must be a better way forward of how to actually go about this. Um, Mr Brown's okay. not going to like me for that. Unfortunately, things aren't tidy. When you're yeah. dealing with a development with planning history, things aren't tidy. And that's, this is not tidy. And I'm sure the developer will admit this isn't tidy because you're picking up an existing site. And unfortunately, that's why we need... Members can make a planning judgment on each individual case, but I don't think you should criticise the developer for coming back to want to change things. But you need to, to consider each change, whether they are acceptable or not. And that's fair enough. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. <clears throat> OK. I have a proposer and a seconder for a refusal. Uh, can we go to a vote on that, please? Please show for refusal of this application. Five. Here we go. Uh, all those in favour, please show. Five. Uh, in that case, I sit in the middle again, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with it, and that application is approved. Uh, UTT 180392, an HHF in Linzel, Nathan to take us through it. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, members and members of the public. Uh, the application proposal we have here seeks planning permission for a single-storey front, side and rear extension located at number three White Gates, Holders Green Road, located in the village of Linzel. Uh, Linzel itself is a settlement that's linear in nature, extending in sort of chunks and patterns across uh, Holders Green Road. Uh, this slide is showing the existing and proposed elevations of the application proposal. So here we see the proposed front extension with the uh, ramped access and the rear elevation with the uh, gabled roof. 
presented here are the side elevations of the rear, side and front extension from both, both aspects and side of the dwelling. Uh, included here are the floor and roof plans, which provide a more detailed view of the scale, location of the dwelling. This includes the front elements, so the ramped element, uh, the wraparound, and the subsequent rear section of the proposed extension. Uh, the following slides just show some photos, which I believe you're all familiar with, of the application site, so the front, side, and rear, and those of the immediate adjacent neighbours. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Nathan. Short and sweet. Um, Mr. Sachs, a supporter? Mr. Sachs, you have three minutes, and I appreciate your patience. Thank you. Um, I'm Rob Soach. I'm one of the uh, practice managers in Essex County Council with an uh, occupational therapy background. Um, I've been working alongside um, Amanda and Paul and the children with the surveyors and the occupational therapist. Uh, we've been involved with uh, family operations with, for the paediatric um, uh, assessments and the um, adult operations for obviously the adults' needs. We've looked at this um, and dis discussed sort of like the various options. I think this is about the third scheme that we're on to at the moment um, to look at um, what the options are for, for this family. Um, we, we obviously need to be providing access to all the essential internal facilities and um, e external access as well. We have to take into account the needs of the family as a whole, obviously to allow Amanda to care for her children and um, this is why we've come up with the scheme that we've, we've got to at this, this point. I think that I need to point out to you that, that we have really investigated the options of first floor living and um, looking at through floor lifts, stair lifts, um, access up to the first floor and, and it's not that we couldn't, stair lift it would be ruled out because of the, the, the nature of the disability but the, the um, through floor lift is a slight possibility. The only problem is, is that once Amanda's upstairs, she can't move around upstairs to care for the children because of the wheelchair access. So I, I need you to think very carefully about that because we've had this comment come up a few times about using the first floor facilities. It really is not an option and we've really taken that into account when we've looked at the, this as, on, as a whole. Um, we've, we've, we have considered the views of the others um, uh, and you know, the objections that have been placed forward, which is why we've altered the scheme around again to sort of like accommodate what we can. And we've revised the plans um, in, in, a, in such a way that I think that, that this would work for the family to um, return home and resume a normal life. At the moment, um, the, the family are living in rented accommodation, which they have been for the last couple of years. Um, and we would really like to get them back home. So I'd like you to think um, along the lines of looking at it sort of like sympathetically if you could, please. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sage, and my apologies for getting your name wrong. Uh, Sally Weston. Okay, you're okay? You're okay, okay. Uh, Stuart Menhenick. Stuart, you have three minutes. Hello. I'm the owner of number four Whitegates. I've written two letters of objection to the council, which I've hoped you've had a chance to look at. As very little of this appears in the officer's report, whilst all of the Linsall Planning Committee's letter and its inaccuracies are in that report. 
Some members of the Linsall Planning Committee have become personally and emotionally involved and they do not represent the views of the residents of Linsall. Due to this and the inaccuracies in the letter, I believe their letter should be disregarded. Unfortunately, several of these inaccuracies have been carried over into the officer's report. I've not got time to mention them all, but I would like to pick on one recurring theme, and that forms the whole basis for both the Linsall Planning Committee and the officer's recommendations of approval. They claim that the new plans have been reduced in size, but they have not. It is the same size as the original proposal that Council turned down. I'd just like to quote the original committee officer's report that concluded, it's the original one when it got turned down, the proposal would result in detrimental harm to the character and appearance of the original dwelling due to its inappropriate size and scale that result in more than doubling the size of the original building. The proposal development would result in overbearing and be visually intrusive that result in an unneighbourly development, thereby causing significant harm to the amenities of the adjoining properties. It also points out the proposal alone would double the floor area and triple the existing building footprint. The new officer reports picks on this reduced size all the way through. The revised application, again quote, is in contrast to the previously refused scheme that has been sharply reduced in scale. It has not. The application proposal has been reduced in scale and size and proportions that do not dominate and upset the design. Not true. I mentioned it three or four more times in here. As already mentioned, the new plan is in fact the same size as the old plan, which, is the, which the council refused. It is still doubling the floor area and tripling the existing footprint, only now it's worse. Whilst the extension at the back is smaller, now it goes right round the existing dwelling. The back still has a pitched roof and is still too big. A smaller rear extension with a flat roof or a lean-to roof, as in the past plans for number six white gates, would be far less intrusive. The wall down the boundary of number two is now 50 foot long. In the refused application, it was 35 foot long. The front extension will stick out five foot from the original building and be nine foot high at its highest point. This is two foot from my living room window. Of course it will have an impact. It will also change the street scene view. A front extension is totally unnecessary. The original proposal was turned down. The new proposal is worse, and I believe it should be turned down again. Finally, I'm also very concerned that a dangerous present we set for all six Whitegate properties. Those that could afford it could build huge extensions, whilst those that could not afford it were left living in a tunnel. This cannot be right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Manning. Uh, Julie Petchy. Julie, you have three minutes. Uh, to me again, I hope. Okay, first of all, I've got other neighbours who aren't happy with Mr. Moana's or Makawana's comments about this being in keeping with our village, our, our row of houses particularly. Mrs. Sue Brooks says it is not in keeping. I have letters here if anyone wishes to read them. Mr. Melvin Godhard lives opposite, dead opposite. He, as far as he's concerned, there's always supposed to have been a bath, a wet room and a bedroom being built here, nothing more. He is not happy with it being not in keeping. Okay, now I live in the land of disability as well, as you know, for the last 18 years with my daughter, who has Down syndrome and cerebral palsy. So I do understand the needs of disabled people. As far as in my eyes, Amanda is more than capable of using a stair lift. You can alter the doors upstairs for her to have access to the bedrooms and her children. 
All she needs downstairs is a bedroom and a wet room and maybe make the kitchen a bit bigger and more accessible for her so she can feed her children. This is overbearing, you know. It's why does she need four bedrooms, two bathrooms and a wet room? Why does she need these? Why does she need a hallway all of a sudden? Because before she didn't need a hallway, did she? But now she does. Why? This is just imposing and overbearing for my property and my life. I do not want to walk out my front door and see a bloody brick wall. I do not want to look out my, back, my kitchen window and see a brick wall. I live in a rural location, not in a town. I can't deal with it. My, you know, it's just not fair. None of this is on anybody. I'm asking you as a panel to be fair to everybody's needs, everybody's property in this. And Mr McWana, how far away is this building from my boundary? Because according to you, at one minute it's two metres, at the next minute it's 30 centimetres. So please, explain to me, how far away is it from my tunnel effects that I'm going to have to live next to in my rural location, not a town? Thank you, and I'm sorry, but it's too emotional and everything. It's just not fair on anyone. It really isn't. On anyone. Chairman, this is from uh, Kathy Burns, who would like you to read it. Okay. Is that possible? Okay, what, you, what, okay, what we're asking for is her to give it hers. She's, she's done all the work on it, and uh, she apologises, and she's got gastroenteritis and has asked... Uh, my husband is before you, and he says that he will read it out, if you wish. So if you book the time, and then... It will be short. It'll be very short, sir. Uh, before I start, sir, I have a street view for every member here, which wasn't in the photographs. Okay. Okay. Uh, please... Uh, look at the photos. Uh, it's a run of houses, six houses. They're all much the same. They have uh, flat roof porches. Nothing comes out from the building line. Uh, they're not pretty, but they're honest, and they're 80 years old. Uh, and we think they're at the centre of the village, and... Uh, probably uh, want to look like that. It, as Stuart said, it would set a precedent if we extend out the front. Nothing in those six houses out the front. Hence, we oppose paying for that. The other sheet that we've submitted is... Yes, can we show that, actually? I think the councillors have got... You have got that. Thank we, you very we, much. We've basically got something here which we've, we've got in front of us. So everybody, everybody's got a copy of that. Thank you very much. Can we look at the side that's got the two black blobs on, please? We can. Thank you. So, uh, on the right-hand side, this is the proposal that was turned down in 2017. 
and you see Julie's house has an uh, open aspect, if you like, 10 feet across to there, uh, number three. However, on the left-hand one, this is the one that is now proposed. You'll notice her outlook um, is at a brick wall. The brick wall, I haven't come to do the cleaning, the brick wall is that high. I have marks on there to show that's nine foot. And it actually starts here, five feet is in front of the house. Oh, I apologise. And then 12 metres is the tunnel between Julie's house here, three foot away. Mr. Derns, can you, can you sit down? We're trying to. Yeah, I get the yes, point. I get the point you're making. It was okay. a tunnelling effect, sir, was all I was trying to say. Or what she was trying to say. Sorry. Um. Mrs Derns' third point was going to be about the footprint area. She doesn't need to do it. Stuart did that. So the final bit of hers was uh, Julie has this strong request. Uh, if any wall is built, can it please be back one metre from the boundary? This would allow one, uh, the extension as it is blocks any access from the front to the rear of the property. So there's no access for garden machinery, garden waste, fuels, etc. And that is for a house that was originally uh, built to encourage agriculture at the back. Second point, we've got to reduce that tunnelling effect and a metre further back from the wall I was trying to show you would do that. Uh, and final point, it gets near a 45 degree guideline for, for daylight from the windows. If it's only three foot away, which is the width of Julie's path down there, um, the windows are effectively blocked out. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Derns. Can Mr. Derns do his now, please? Um, That's Kathy's. We're it's very brief, I promise. We're stretching it. If it's a minute, that's great. Okay. Okay, Mr. Derns, as briefly as you can. I'll uh, be very brief, sir. Uh, Andy Horrow is a fine surveyor. He was the one who drew the plans, but he's not a magician. He can't turn a two-bedroom semi into a four-bedroomed house with wet room and two bathrooms without trashing the neighbours. Uh, and that's what's happened. We've got the tunnelling effect, which Mr. Moana missed, I fear, and I think it's important planning. Stuart's mentioned about the area of the structure. Uh, Lindsay Planning Committee, I was going to say a lot, but we'll cut that right down. They, 
that they are not, as Mr. McWana said, the village, the parish council. They are a very loose body of four people who give their opinions. They're not professionals and they haven't got the resources to consult anybody and, in, and indeed this, in this case they didn't. Uh, neither neighbour was consulted nor the people across the road. Uh, so, in summary, uh, Stewart's indicated uh, the inaccuracies. He's also talked about his front window and the degrading uh, of his views at the front. Uh, he's talked about the precedent. Julie's described the tunnelling effect. Uh, Julie, with passion, has shown you how it affects her life. We believe the only requirement is a wet room, a bedroom downstairs, widened doorways, and we think the rest is hype. I cannot believe that you cannot get up a stair lift and have adequate wheelchair upside, upstairs, lightweight, uh, and that's all the requirements that's need. We're being conned um, uh, about okay. the special requirements. Okay, Mr. Dennis. Yeah. If we can wrap it up. Can I say two sentences? And it's you can say two sentences. Okay, here we come. I have a solution, uh, if you're interested in my opinion. One, could the committee send back guidance to the planners at UDC of exactly what, exactly what is allowable and what's not allowable? For instance, Extraordinary Planning Commission could be granted to accommodate the special needs of Mrs Young. To do that, an extension of three metres out the back would be fine, and uh, I have it that the neighbours would not complain for such a scheme. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Derns. <coughs> Paul and Amanda, you have 12 minutes, but as long as it takes, okay? I'll say good evening, Chair and members. Uh, it's quite short. I think as um, a couple, I think we can hold our heads up high and not be embroiled in matters, that are not planning matters that have come up within this application and the previous application. <coughs> uh, just a quick statement, a statement of fact. Not only is there a shortage of housing, there's a shortage of housing stock for wheelchair users. Only 7% of UK housing is deemed suitable for 1.8 million wheelchair users across this country. And that is fact. Something you should consider. As you're aware, several plans have already been proposed and several have been seen here before the committee, each being revised to accommodate different factors. We feel that this is the best proposed plan to best fit everyone's needs. The build has been reduced quite significantly out on the rear of the property and to allow the floor space needed for a wheelchair user to user 
extension to the side and front has been requested. Amanda is a, uh, a, a carer and a parent for two children aged four and five and therefore is entitled to access to care and aid those children. She's entitled to have access, full access to a kitchen, bedrooms, a wet room to aid and look after those children. The end goal for us is to have a fully accessible, adaptable home for me to go back to work because at the moment I'm stuck out of employment having to care for my wife and my children. That is my, not my, my ultimate goal is to go to work, not be part of the system. The stairlift situation has been looked at. We've had professionals come and look at the stairlift. It's not feasible. It's not feasible and appropriate for somebody that's wheelchair bound. The property upstairs, the plan, does not accommodate a stairlift whatsoever. Any adaptions to three white gates, if it was extended to the top floor, the upstairs is totally not compatible for a wheelchair user. It would be totally have to be ripped out and refurbed and that is a, a, an amazing amount of money and cost that's just not feasible to carry out that work. That's why everything is aimed at downstairs, thus the extension being the size what it is. A through floor lift was looked at and the same, you cannot accommodate in the upstairs, even with extending the upstairs, you cannot accommodate a through floor lift. It doesn't suit the property. That is why, obviously, legally require, legal requirements for a wheelchair user that the whole space is being taken up by the downstairs. That's why the upstairs is not coming into it. And the fact Rob did mention the fact that child services have been involved is that my four-year-old daughter has been diagnosed with benign joint hypermobility syndrome. My wife has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and it's indicated and my daughter is being under investigation is likely to have the same condition and will have possibly the same needs as a mum in the future. We have stated previously on many occasions that we wish to go back to the community. There are, there are, despite what's been said, there are plenty of neighbours that do support us and would help us and help Amanda and when I go back to work. <coughs> we have looked, as Rob stated again, we've looked at all, plenty of options. That is, this, that's why this is two years down the line this is the option, this is the best option for us. The properties known as Whitegate, six of them, are blessed with big gardens, large gardens at the back, large gardens on the front. Therefore, there's plenty of space for such extensions and for all still to have enough view, space and light. These properties are all very different and therefore, altering this one property will not change any character to the village. This build is for a purpose for a family to function and we kindly ask you to look at this planning application in, planning application in favour. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you Mr Young. Uh, I have Maisie, I, do I have anybody else to speak? 
yet you were on the list anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, just going back to what has already been explained is that we have considered obviously different options previously. We've looked at, as um, both Rob and Paul have said, the possibility of a stair lift, which is not a practical solution for Amanda given her disability and also the, the great amount of alterations that there would be required upstairs in order to accommodate a wheelchair. And the same again with the stair, the, with the through floor lift. Um, the, the property upstairs doesn't lend itself to having wheelchair access. It would need major, major alterations to accommodate the through floor lift and access for a wheelchair extending both back upstairs and downstairs. Um, we are recommended as um, in social services to look at certain room sizes when we're considering wheelchair access for bedrooms and bathrooms, etc. And the sizes that um, we are given guidance on are as follows. For a kitchen, it's 3 metres 900 by 3 metres 200. A bathroom, 2.1 metres. Um, by 2.7 metres, a bedroom 3.6 metres by 3.9 metres. And this is what we've considered in the adaptation that we've now bringing to you today. Um, we've also, as we've already discussed, um, made allowance for a bedroom for the children downstairs so that Amanda can provide the care and support that they need from a mother. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sally. Okay. Um, we have no other speakers, so over to you, committee. Not easy, this one. Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, can I ask one question of the, of the officer? In square metres, what is the difference in size between the previous application and this application? I don't think that's, I think what you need to be, I think it is a different extension. I mean, beforehand you had a very large rear extension. Now you have a smaller rear extension and a wraparound and a front extension. So I don't think it, it should be judged on the differences between the two. We haven't got the differences between the two. You, need, you just need to be looking at what's in front of you today. Um, Sorry, Mr Chairman. I ask a question because it was stated it was substantially smaller. Either is or isn't. What we do have from the previous extension was a significant depth from the rear elevation. What we have now from the revised scheme is a depth that falls well within permitted development guidelines. Mr Chairman, can I please get an answer? Uh, I, I think the answer is that they actually don't know. So I, I'm going to take a stab at it. Just looking at it, I would guess that we are perhaps 90% of the original. I, I, because we've wrapped around, I'm guessing that the area at the front now and at the side is, is not quite as big as it was before, but I suspect it's added to it. So I would guess we're at 80% or something like that of the original area. And, and I'm... I'm pulling that out of the air, all right? Only because I'm only looking at something at this scale. Can I just remind members, this is a planning committee, not a public inquiry. You've yeah. got an answer. The rear extension is smaller, but the total size of the extension 
is not a lot different, to be honest, in terms of the total size of the development. When we refer to the substantial reduction, it's all about the reduction in the length of the weir. And so therefore, it's now gone back to the point whereby it would be permitted developments. Now, I don't know if we've got the difference in the length before or now. 10.4 metres was the original rear elevation from the previous scheme, and it's now 6 metres. So it's gone from 10.4 down to 6 metres on the rear elevation. So that's the difference between the two. Mr. Chim, my concern, and we're trying to make something out of nothing here. It's, it's, it's a complicated process at the best of times. We are trying to manage a particularly difficult situation with regard to the, the applicant themselves, and we're trying to find a solution. But the problem is that there are other people to be considered as well, the neighbours. We all went out to the site, and I noticed, certainly, I'm sure everyone else noticed as well, that the over, overbearing side was considerable then. So if we had a problem with it then, and now it's worse, we have a problem with it now. So unless I understand what the, that the scale is, and if you go out there and look at models, we're all battling here to try and find, to make semblance of something. I mean, we're a planning committee. We're not here to try and understand all the, all the salient features. We're trying to understand size, scope, overbearing scale, and so on. And if we have no information, if I look at this map, and this is not, this is only one small piece of evidence. On the basis of this map, it's a substantially overbearing construction. It's substantially worse, to my mind, than it was before. But this is one small piece of evidence that doesn't want evidence to consider. So I don't want to say let's defer it again. I don't want to say let's go and look at the site again. Just, we just need some empirical facts. I need to know square metrage. If we've increased the scale, then we re it's rather a strange reapplication, isn't it? Uh, well, again, it, it is what it is in front of us. I mean, they, they have reduced it to bringing it nearer to the PD rights. Uh, no, let me finish, okay? And, and yes, it does wrap around now, so they've moved the space in a different way. They've come up with a different solution to reduce the mass at the rear, okay? I, I take the point that you're going with, I, but I think I'm going to emphasise what Mr Brown said. I think we've got to look at what we've got in front of us and basically make the best judgement we can. Is that okay? Okay, good. Uh, Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Jim. Um, I think you're right. We have to look at what we have in front of us, and what we have in front of us is a, a nine-foot high, 50-foot long wall for the neighbour who lives adjacent. And I, I and there can see no way that I could agree to uh, imposing that um, upon uh, um, another uh, member of the community. It's. Uh, Whatever your problems, I understand there are problems, many, many problems, and I, I have the greatest sympathy, but that doesn't mean that you can go and in, in translate your, try and solve your problem by making somebody else's life worse and have a nine foot by 50 foot wall in front of your door, your back door or whatever door it is, three feet away, is, is untenable in my view. I'm just going to ask Mr. McQuana why we're having the next conversation, just to check on the elevation, what the heights actually are. It could be nine foot at the ridge point. It isn't that, I don't think, at the uh, eaves point. If you can check that. Uh, yeah. Councillor Chambers, so and sorry. then I'll go to Mr. Brown. Okay. Sorry, so um, with our um, height to the eaves, we're hitting just below 2.5, so I measure this at 2.4. To the ridge... To the ridge line, um, we are just over three metres at approximately 3.2. So actually, 
Mr Chairman, we, we went out specially and visited the site. So not, perhaps not all of us were there. I don't know whether Councillor Lemon was there. Cause I don't, were you there? No, I don't think... No, no, you weren't. That's before you came on the third committee. But looking at this application here, we, as you quite rightly said, we have very dis difficult decisions to make. But when we went out there, it was quite clear what impact it was going to have on the neighbours. Not a small impact, a massive impact. I cannot see anything on here that would make sufficient difference to make me change my mind. I'm sorry, Mr Brown. I do apologise, but... If I were living next door to this, I would have great sympathy for the people living in the house. Of course we would. We wouldn't be human if we didn't. But if you have to live next to something as big as that, and it is still big... Hang on a minute, hang on a minute, because I haven't quite finished yet. Then I don't think we should... Uh, I totally agree with Councillor Hicks. We shouldn't be agreeing to it because it isn't right. And as somebody else, I think Councillor Lachlan said, we are here to make decisions. Sometimes, most of the time, we go along with the officers' approvals, but sometimes we don't. That's what we're here for. That's the decision we'll have to make. And I'm very sorry, but I cannot vote for this proposal. Mr Brown. Right. I'm not going to try to sell this scheme at all. I'm just trying to clarify members where they are. You've heard some personal circumstances from the applicant. Just like they weren't relevant when we were refusing it, they're not really relevant now. And it's just, and it's because that's why it's become a situation. This won't be, hopefully this won't be a problem that we will have in 30, 40 years because all the houses you've approved to do, bar the ones in Great Chesterford because they're historical, are all going to be compliant with Part M, the building regs, which are going to be wheelchair access or adaptable. So moving on in the future, we've got that sorted. It doesn't help us today. This, if you divide this, this extension into three bits, uh, the bit to the rear, um, the substantial bit to the rear, if, if, if Nathan will point that bit, that could be PD if it was, I think, 0.4 of centimetres shorter. But I don't think that's the bit we're talking about now. That was now, it's gone from 10, 6 is the magic number. You can do a rear extension to, to, to the rear under what's called a permitted development extensions. You can do that. The bit to the side is a side extension. That needs permission. And I think that seems to be the, the, the one that's causing the most issues at the moment. So members can make their own judgment. Members have been there. Members can make that judgment. Simple as that. The one to the front is a front extension that would, that would that's not permitted development. That requires permanent permission. That issue is more the impact on the street scene. Members can make that judgment. Go for it. And now I'm not going to tell you how to do that and how not to do that, but I just want to clarify. I'm picking up Councillor Fairhurst's plans. Beforehand, it was easier because you just had an enormous extension to the rear. And, and so therefore, you're now looking at it. So you're now looking at trying to... But we are not obliged to come up with a solution here. You just need to consider an application if it's acceptable or not acceptable. And don't get caught up in the emotion. And I know that's very, very difficult. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, Councillor Lodge. Mr Brown's just answered my question. Thank you. <laughs> Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Lee, for coming back. Um, there is another dimension to it, though, 
to answer to, to Mr. Brown's comments. And that is that as a planning committee, we're supposed to look at things that are possible and make, uh, make every effort possible to make it work. That's what we're here for, to be, to be helpful to the community. And I'm concerned that we're dragging things out. This is the same decision we had last time. It may look slightly different, but it's the same decision. And I worry that we raise hopes or we extend things and people in particular issues where time is a, is an issue, time is a, is a material concern. And I'm reluctant to think it's going to continue and we're going to keep on deciding. I, I think effort is great. Let's make the best effort we can. But at some point, you've got to say it's not going to work. This is perhaps a situation like that where it's simply not possible. I'm going to propose we reject this, I'm afraid, because I can't see how it's going to work. <coughs> I have a proposal for rejection. Does that find a seconder? Okay. The grounds for that rejection are going to be? Okay. Is that the, the, the reasons would be policies Gen 2 and H8, but I, I don't know if you want to specify particularly what the reasons were. Is it impact on impact, overbearing impact, impact on neighbours? We haven't got overlooking issues here, but it's overbearing issues. And have members got views on the streets? Don't just throw everything at it if you're not that concerned about those things, but it's overbearing and impact on streets. Okay. I have a proposer and I have a seconder for a refusal. All those in favour of refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven for refusal. All those? Eight. Sorry, did I miscount? Sorry, eight. Did I miss you again? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, eight people for refusal. Those in favour? Two. Okay, uh, I'm afraid that item is refused. Okay, home stretch. Uh, the Dells. UTT 18-03-95. Luke, sorry to keep you so late. <laughs> no worries. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the site forms part of the Garden of the Dells, which is located at the corner of Carmen Street and Jackson's Lane in Great Chesterford. The application is for a non-material amendment to a recent planning permission for the erection of a dwelling. the cursor. Here we are. Porch at the front there. The proposal is to change the design of the porch. So shown in the bottom right image there, that's the front elevation with the porch. The approved version is shown by the dotted line, uh, which you can see on the side elevations there. So from the front, not much different, but from the side comes out a bit further. Um, while the proposed structure has two stories and a shallower plan. <clears throat> the external finish would be white render. It is recommended that the amendment be approved. Okay. Uh, any comments from anybody? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm happy to propose from the chair. Who's got such a cheeky face? 
uh, and I have a seconder. Uh, all those in favour, please show. One, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six in favour. All those against, please show. One against <laughs> and three wise men. Okay. That, that, that item has been approved. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, uh, I, Nigel Brown is going to rush through the last items, 15 and 16. Chief Officer's report uh, relevant to a couple of issues. Quickly, Nigel. Yes, first of all, members will recall this application for the 14th of February. Sorry, it didn't come to the last meeting. Members approved it, subject to conditions. We're not reopening the debate about it. It's all about conditions. Um, I put in some suggested conditions there. Have I omitted any or put conditions on that members don't want or does some need to be changed? Uh, this is the Night Roadworks one in Cockhall Lane in Faxted. Remember, this was the rural building merchant that we went and visited and we approved, I think, five houses? Yes. Five houses on the site. But we refused it and we didn't have the conditions in place. In future, we will not be doing this. We will, we will defer and get the conditions in place. Yeah. But the conditions are now catching up with us. Is everybody happy with the conditions that are shown? No, Chairman, I'm not. I'm sorry. I know it's late in the day, but that's not my fault. Um, I'm looking at agenda item 15. Am I correct? Yes. UTT 17 stroke 1896. You're correct. Right, good. Um, I'm informed that the conditions, uh, there were earlier conditions uh, that the woodland um, could be used by the school and that hasn't been transferred over into the conditions we have here and that it's a refusal is it a refusal somebody was saying some, look will you please I'm talking I'm not talking to you John I'm talking to these guys right Go, the be quiet is it a, are we are we going to refuse this oh members it was it came to committee on the 14th of February recommended for refusal members were mindful to well no they approved it but I suggested to members, and, and Councillor Wills is right, we are going to try to sort this out so it becomes a protocol issue. So therefore, if you approve something against Officer recommendation, it comes back with the conditions rather than trying to make conditions on the hoof. This was quite a serious one because there was quite lots of other things that were coming out as well. So that's the first issue. So therefore, it, it, it's, members have approved it. All this is coming back to is to agree the conditions. You mentioned the bit about the, wet, the, the, the um the woodland, Welly Boot Farm, is being transferred across from the applicant to the parish council. To be blunt, that's completely irrelevant to the planning application. And it, that's it, that is, it, it is not mitigation for development, it's not proportionate, but it is something that is happening. You don't need to secure that. For a, it would have been secured by a section 106, and if that was the case, that you would have had a section 106 package. Because there's only five houses, you're not going to have a section 106 package. So that's why, so it has been deliberately mis missed out, because it's covered, it's, a, it's an agreement between the landowner and the parish that will happen. And so, so the only issue here is, in terms of the suggested planning conditions, is there anything I've missed out? Councillor Lockley. Sorry, can you just refresh my memory? Is this the one where we had to walk down that long track and then go through a farmyard? No. No, it's not. No. Or is that the one on the main road? You have the, 
We, we drove along a long track. to the report track. is the main report that went to committee last time. That's right. Yeah, we drove, we drove along a long track and we ended up in a builder's merchants in That's the middle right. of nowhere. And then yeah. we went down the long track. Yeah. And all the way down the long track back into the village again. And it was presented by Peter. Yeah, that is the one. Right. Yeah, and I actually voted against that at the yeah. time. I, I remember that. Yeah, okay. Thanks. But Chairman, it says seven dwellings and there's mention this evening of five. How many are there? That's my fault. That's his fault completely. Is it five or it is, is it seven? It's seven. It is my seven fault. dwellings. Yes. <laughs> That's why you've got the main report appended into So the, I'll repeat the question. Is everybody okay with the conditions that Mr. Brown has drafted? And the answer still is no, because the other thing which I didn't get a chance to mention is that um, the, the woodland would be used by school. That was a condition on an earlier application of Hermley. I'm sorry, I haven't been briefed on this, but I'm informed by somebody from the Thaxted Council that this is the case. And so, so I'm not, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take criticism for not briefing you because you've got a full no, report no, there, and you've got, and you've also got the report. The issue is the this was. This was discussed last time, I think because members went straight to approval, and I think we will probably would have had this discussion at the time. The issue is the parish are concerned that they want this, and that's one of the prime reasons why they supported the application, as well as taking a, an un, an un, a non-conforming development away from, from the village. They also, the, 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 the getting the woodland transferred across to them was an interesting part. But uh, and we made a point that is not necessary, does not need a 106 to do that because it's going to happen because the developers agreed that. We can't do that as part of the section 106 because it's not actually still compliant because it's not actually, it's not there to mitigate the development and it's not proportionate to the approval of seven dwellings. And so therefore that is it's one thing that members, this does happen where you have developments where a developer has a relation, has a, and it's nothing dodgy about saying a side agreement with the parish council to agree to do certain, certain things. That's happening over there, and it doesn't have to be secured or double secured through the planning. That's why it's omitted. It's being done, yeah. yeah. Hence, in future, we will defer, sort the package out, and then it will yeah. come back. Okay? Okay. Uh, so, given that we're all happy enough, Richard? I'm, I'm not going to vote because okay, I don't feel I've got my brain around this. Uh, all those in favour of the conditions that Mr. Brown has applied, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And those abstaining or abstaining two. Okay, so that item is clarified. Final item number 16. Sorry, just slightly on that last one. Apologies for me, because had I put it, brought it to the last committee meeting, you would have remembered it, because a lot's gone there. Oh, it's, not, it's not that. When I said I hadn't been briefed, but I wasn't referring to you, it was the person at the Thaxby Council who just phoned me up and said, oh, do you know? Not the useful sort of thing, really. Hopefully this one's straightforward. Um, this relates to the same site as you've just done the non-material amendment for. Uh, we have a row of ornamental pear trees on the site that the applicant has just put in. Um, to put it bluntly, you put them in the wrong place. They need to be located to the other part of the site. Technically speaking, well, it's not technically speaking, they are in the conservation area, so they need to notify us whether or not, and our response is whether or not to TPO them. Um, ornamental pear trees will never be TPO-able. They're not of that nature to be TPO'd, but they are going through the process. And the fact is we're not even losing the trees because the trees are actually going to be replanted somewhere else. So the, the, the tree officer's recommendation is no objection. Uh, okay, members. Mr Lodge. 
I don't know whether you may have this answer, but do we um, do we have an opinion, firstly, as to uh, as to whether they may survive the transplantation, and secondly, are we worried about any nests of partridges in the trees? <laughs> uh, I'm reliably informed that uh, they will survive because they're fairly young trees. And uh, Councillor Chambers. I have some knowledge of this, having had a tree nursery uh, and a business to do with trees, provided they are moved within the next couple of weeks, and I mean couple of weeks, they will survive. You must not, I know it's a daft thing to say, you must not, when you transplant them, water them. If you water them and you then get a, a, a dry spell, or, or you water them sort of a few days and then you get a dry spell and you stop watering them, they will die. Uh, so Gardener's corner is over now. You have to <laughs> let the roots get to the water. Okay, 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 okay. All right, look, I'm happy to propose from the chair. Seconded from Councillor Wells. All those in favour, please show. Everybody's in favour. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. I'm sure it was a mega performance today. Do we get overtime?
this back, but it's not. Oh, has it? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I'll go and get the other bit. Sorry, I just... That's all right. I knew it. I knew it was, it was at 56%, so I don't know when it switched off. But equally, it stopped broadcasting at some point. Oh, no, I'll go no it's still at 33%, so it should be. So, did it, did it talk about upload or not? Oh, you couldn't switch it no, on, I suppose, no, could you? It would have been...